This is episode two of Plastic Battles. I'm your host, Paul. And today I'm joined by the incomparable one and only Jamie the Televiper, straight from Cobra Island. Strap yourselves in, this one's going to be fast and furious. I mean, we name drop pretty much every vintage toy line you can think of. Thundercats, Ghostbusters, Battle Beasts, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Cops, Transformers, GoBots, Superpowers, Visionaries, Heck, Golden Girls, Frasier, Hossalum, Scramble A, Sectors, Battle Beasts, The Muppets. Recording. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, for episode two, I am joined by Jamie the Televiper, uh, live from Hollywood, California. Is that right? Hollywood, California, friend. Uh, that is where I am sitting as we speak. Hollywood. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I actually lived in Costa Mesa, California for a little bit. Oh, I don't know if I knew that. How old were you? Um... Let me think. Like, was it recently or a while ago? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think I was forty. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, twenty thirteen. I was there for a year. Oh, no kidding. That's uh, so you know the climate. You know the deal over here. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think it. Um, I don't think it rained one day while I was there. I think one day we had like a mist. Yeah, it, it didn't. Uh, the, I moved here in '04, and it didn't really rain much till last year. So we were <laughs> we were coming off one dickens of a drought. Thirteen years of like mild spritzings. <laughs> I'll tell you, get the governor that, all upset and everything. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't even understand it. I am in Columbus now, and it is gray and raining as we speak. Like in I fact, can dig it. I yeah, can it's dig one. It. It's like one in the afternoon, and. It is so gloomy out that I, I have a light on here, so I can see what I'm doing. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, I've already been out today. The sun's out. It's in the high yeah. 60s. But, you know, I, I grew up uh, north of Philly uh, in Pennsylvania. So, man, I know that gray sky. I know it well. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So you're, like, from the Fresh Prince's neighborhood, right? Uh, north of the Fresh Prince, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, a little more rural uh, up, up in the North Farm country. But uh, Philly's where we went for fun. So, uh, you know. Go Eagles. Phillies, <laughs> All that Phillies were, oh, yeah, that's right. Super Bowl. Super Bowl bound oh, Eagles. Oh, we're very excited. If that doesn't get a dedicated Instagram photo, I'm, I failed as a human being. I got to work on that. Get right. Spirit's uh, Eagle out. Get, you know, all of my Eagle theme. Get the Eagle Battle Beast going. You know, I got Eagles. I got Eagles all over the place. That's, uh, yeah, so, um, so will you do, like, a toy selfie Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday this year? It's kind of a must, right? No? It is sort of a must. Yeah, I've only dabbled in it. You know, you get the football Joes out. You know, like, I, I think I have one floating around years ago with Bazooka in the fridge. Um, but, yeah, this one is, because uh, I really do, uh, just being, you know, Eagles don't go to the Super Bowl much. And not that I'm, like, uh, like a super sports fan, but I do watch them, and uh, I'm super stoked. And this is my way to express my love through action figure photography. Uh, maybe one of only a dozen fans that will even bother to do that. So I got to get in there. <laughs> right. I I, I, I did one. I did one 2 years ago on Super Bowl Sunday. I remember you did it you had a, you had it was a toy selfie Sunday with uh Gridiron and uh, and then I think Bazooka in the fridge. 
Yes, you got it. That's exactly what I did. Very classy. You've had the uh, Toy Selfie Sunday, of course, you know, my uh, ridiculous hashtag. But um, you have that beautiful um, Operation Brazil G.I. Joe Toy Selfie Sunday, which might to date be the most expensive Toy Selfie Sunday ever taken. <laughs> you think so? Really? Well, uh, it, it's, it, it's got to be in the top ten. There's a, that's a beautiful set and uh, tough to come by. Tough to come yeah, by. one of my favorite sets. Uh, I never had as a kid. Oh, it's freaking awesome. I didn't either. I remember seeing it as a kid at, in Toys R Us and thinking it was kind of lame. Like, you know, like, oh, I don't need an orange, you know, dial tone. But, um, yeah, then when I figured out, like, Claymore was a unique character, like, a year later, like, I wanted it bad, and it was sold out, and uh, I'm still there. So from, like, 87 till now, I still want it. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was the same. I saw it, I saw it at Toys R Us, and uh, since those figures were also out in normal colors, I guess normal for most cases, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, when I saw Mainframe, he's all red, and Dial Tone's got hot red pants, I'm like, I don't know what this is supposed to be, and I, I'm not really into it. Yeah, and then it wasn't until later that I realized that I totally messed up, and they were not available anymore. Yeah, they weren't. Av- they really weren't available long back then. Like, I don't even think they were there long enough to go to discount, because that's where I would usually strike, is, you know, they'd knock five bucks off, and then I'd go. Um, I was a thrifty lad. Hunting for uh, deals. But yeah, they, they just vanished. Uh, oh, as a kid, man. As a kid. Did you guys have KB where you were growing up? KB toys. We did KB KB toys at the mall, man. They had no room. So like the second a toy line was troubled, KB would like two for one, just get them in the front, get them out of there. And yeah. They were, they were in like baskets in the front, right? Like yeah, steel yeah, baskets yeah, everything, or something. Anytime, like even like Joe's from the year before, like anything that they needed to get out of there. Like you could always, I remember getting the first troop builder I ever did was probably 1990. And I got a hammerhead for my birthday. I was 12 at this point, so it's probably the last birthday when I got a big G.I. Joe toy. Um, and I remember I didn't have enough like troops to fill it because I wanted a, a, a figure for every vehicle seat I had. I had <laughs> missions as a kid. Um, so I had. I, I remember buying six Night Vipers at once. Oh, so you were, you were army building early. Like most kids I know did not do that, except for my brother, but that's another story. Oh yeah, I had uh, yeah those. I had the six night vipers. I think I had four rock vipers. Like this was at the end of my major collecting. You know, I sort of petered out around ninety ninety one, and maybe got a figure or two. You know, like that cool ninety two Destro. I think I picked up. But um, that was sort of my swan song of like the pew pew era. Mm-hmm. You know, like making them fight and flying the jets around. Um, but man, right before I sort of stopped doing that, I got big. You know, like all of a sudden, like I'd be mowing lawns and making a little money that way and stuff. So like all that money at 12, instead of getting saved for the car, like my friends got dumped into Night Vipers. I regret nothing. I regret nothing. I think uh, looking back on it now, they probably have more value uh, than the car would have. No kidding, dude. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, the car is some rusted Hulk. Uh, that's a terrible climate for cars. Uh, but the Night Vipers are probably going strong. It breaks my heart to this day. Uh, when I was a kid, I sold most of my childhood collection to a kid down the street named Ralph. Be it known to all and sundry that Ralph Parker is hereby appointed a member of the Little Orphan Annie Secret Circle and is entitled to all the honors and benefits occurring there, too. Signed, Little Orphan Annie. Countersigned, Pierre Andre, in ink. Honors and benefits already at the age of nine. 
because he just, I forget why he had Come money, on, but he really wanted them. And I was getting into Star Trek and going to Star Trek conventions at like 13 because I didn't like mature or get a better hobby. I just moved from one nerdy hobby to another. And um, so like, I just, you know, needed the money to get to the cons and, uh, oh, it breaks my heart. I just grabbed a handful that I didn't sell to him. And I still have those like they're staring at me right now. They're on a point of honor in my room. I think it's funny that we we all have those kind of stories where our childhood collections were either tossed or given away or sold. Mm-hmm. Um, but but still, you know, some of us managed to save some of the stuff. Uh, for example, I was able to save my Joe figures and my brother's Joe figures in a couple small vehicles or whatever. But uh, at least I have something from from my childhood. Oh, stuff. that's a great stash, though. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, I could have stopped it, you know, maybe. I don't know. My dad tossing everything. I just, you know, at 18, 19 years old, I was kind of too cool to, to say no um, at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's, that's what hit me at 13, too. The difference between buying action figures and going to Star Trek conventions is Star Trek conventions had girls there. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that was a whole new dynamic of, like, oh, my God, I don't want them to see, you know, the mobile command center all set up with the guys sitting in the computer seats and the fixing the triple T, <laughs> you know, down in the command down in the repair bay. Oh, my God. I had a few of those close calls as a young team. <laughs> Girls coming over and having to hide the Joes. <laughs> <laughs> same, man. I've, I've had the same experiences. However, nowadays, that's kind of like street cred uh, with the geek culture and the nerd culture that's so prevalent uh, that didn't exist back then. Oh, it's crazy now. It's, it's kind of the norm. Yeah, people years younger than me come into the house and are fascinated. You know, like I used, I, I have a big, in my room I have, because uh, I live in like a small Hollywood apartment, I have a roommate who's very understanding. He's super into Tim Allen, and I'm super into 80s toys, so like Tim he Allen. hung up. Oh, he loves Tim Allen. So he literally has um, all these Tim Allen framed posters that like i agreed could like go all over the house um and then you know my end you know then i get the detolf full of like brave star and battle beasts and he-man um so it's it which are infinitely more cool than tim allen in my opinion but to each his own as i say to each his own <laughs> we're an eclectic not, uh, bunch you and i <laughs> not as cool uh as fraser though and that's something that we talked about briefly i think at oh Last year, Um, (laughs) yeah, man, I've been watching. It's got to be like maybe since then, so close to a year where or more that I've been watching um, Frasier on loop, uh, several episodes uh, a night, multiple nights. Oh, that's 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 the best way to ingest it. I think we talked about. I like to go the full the full Monty. I like to start with the first episode of Cheers Mm -hmm. and just get all. Oh, yeah, okay. And then you get all the way through Frasier, and it's like this 20-year arc. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Watching his hair um, change from season to season, is uh, it's a gradual, you know? Uh, but if you were to watch it, the first uh, episode of the first uh, of Frasier, first episode of Frasier, and then pick up in the final season, it is the contrast is unbelievable. I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know what anyone was trying to do in the late 80s, early 90s when they were balding, but they had that mullet going on but yeah like that bush of hair oh and they all Ooh. had it kind of like now if you're balding um it's appropriate to just completely shave your head like that's right back then it was like just grow whatever hair you could grow yeah grow like a mop of it and, and it was oh, just like a, the hair was just running down the back of your head is really what mm-hmm. it looked like 
I was trying to get away. Oh, poor Frazier. And, you know, they must, like, executives are probably making notes every episode, like, oh, we need to, you know, <laughs> trim a quarter inch off this sideburn. Oh, poor Frazier. I mean, poor Frazier sitting in his oh, castle near, near, nearby here. <laughs> so I told I told my girlfriend, um, you had told me that you actually, was it you or your friend that ordered tossed salad and scrambled eggs? Somewhere? Oh, we both did it. He, my roommate had finished the cycle for the first time. And uh, oh, as okay. someone who had finished the cycle like three times, you know, I, I told him like a few months before he was done. I said, well, let you know when you're done, I'm going to take you out for tossed salad and scrambled egg. And we both laughed. And then we looked at each other and he said, we should really do that. And I said, yes, we should really like it was a joke when I said it. But I'm like, of course we should do that. It's ridiculous not to. And then uh, when he was done, we went we um, went to Denny's. Uh, We thought that was a good place to go. We explained to the waitress 16 times. uh, No, no, not a salad, (laughs) then scrambled eggs. No toast. You know what I mean? No, no bacon. Um, You know, we did get to choose our dressing on the salad. And since beverages weren't implied, we had hot coffee because that's a very Frasier Thing oh, to yes. drink. You know, they're always at the coffee shop drinking coffee. What what and, dressing uh, did you get for the salad? I did a blue cheese. Um, that was a t- two two points on that. It's a, I think wow. it's a visually appealing dressing. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew we were taking photos. Plus, you know, perennial favorite of mine. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, blue cheese and scrambled eggs. Whew. Something. Well, I tell you, what was shocking was I thought I would eat the salad, then the scrambled eggs, but it wasn't terrible together. Okay. I, I told my girlfriend that, and she lost her mind. She pretty much said that. It was, <laughs> she's like, no one's supposed to actually listen to the song and eat that stuff. It's just part of the song. I'm like, well, I know someone that did. So. Yeah, so so there you go. I'm pretty the, sure. The like, Fraser know, Challenge. Uh, Toss salad, I think, is like a jazz term. So I think, you know, I think it oh, might, it's okay. like a musical illusion. But also, I always pictured, like, as a younger person, literally, like, you come home late at night from the club and you have nothing else in the house mm-hmm. and you're entertaining, you know, like a, a certain someone. And so you're just like, oh, I got some of this and some of that and you cook it up and whatever. Uh, but it could just be like a jazz riff thing. Um, I, I, I guess I should have Wikipedia this ahead of time. Damn, yeah, uh, you're supposed to do some Fraser sitcom research before you go on <laughs> any toy photography podcast. Uh, hello. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? It all comes together in the end. Man, that's funny. I think the jazz reference makes sense because it doesn't make sense otherwise to me at all. You know what I mean? It doesn't. No, I think it was a surprise. We might have been the first people ever to discover that tossed salad and scrambled eggs taste good together. Because, yeah, who on earth? I mean, we're just two unmarried, odd people living in Hollywood. So maybe it would occur to us. But who else? But who else? Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, probably unmarried, odd people living in Hollywood, I would imagine, too. So you're not alone. You're not alone. No, no, it's not a, uh, yeah, it's a dating culture here. It's not necessarily a marrying <laughs> culture. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the truth. So, but you grew up in Philly, which is uh, around yeah, Philly, so, right? Yeah, around Reading, which is about an hour north of Philly. Yeah, I was uh, I was born in Harrisburg, but most of my time was spent in uh, Hamburg, Pennsylvania, which is like a little town. Um, again, maybe maybe that's uh, more like ninety minutes north of Philly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like four thousand people lived there then. Four thousand people live there now. Uh, just a cute little town. Um, lots of cool creeks. And uh, places to take your toys, which I uh, am, you know, forever indebted to. You know, that's where, uh, for for me, the photography, like, you know, the sort of when I was a kid, I didn't really snap photos, but like already the composition was kicking in. You know what I mean? When I found that location, I would Mm -hmm. be there every day for a week if it was the summertime. You know what I mean? Getting muddy. Right. I do know what you mean. Yes, exactly. Losing losing pistols and helmets left Uh, and right. Just digging around. 
the struggle, the struggle of a kid with with Joe's uh, and, and, and Star Wars figures, losing those pieces. Oof. I can still picture my Mumra from Thundercats figure floating down the creek like I lost him. And, oh, no. uh, like, you know, just like he was just out of reach and I reached and he was oh. going and there he went, like, floating. Like, I was like, sweet Mary, no. Some kid down the stream dreaming of a yeah. Mumra figure had it just show up as he was praying for it. Oh, and it was the heartbreaking. <laughs> I think it was 1989 when that happened. So like you couldn't get Mumra. He was gone. Uh, I still have, I still have the hat and his knife, like sitting at my dad's house, like in memoriam someday, someday I'll fill them again. Yeah. I, you know, hundreds of years from now when civilization has crumbled and rebuilt itself and they've lost all connection with today, they will dig up these small little pistols and think that everyone who lived today was, you know, three inches tall. Was three inches. To, oh, there's going to be so much. Our legacy, so many mumras. They're going to be like, we have thousands of these. What could it mean? These sort of bald, angry men. They worship uh, these things, which obviously, in, which is what we kind of do. <laughs> Sadly <laughs> enough, worship is not uh, not an incorrect way to put it. Yeah, as far as uh, I have many shrines, many shrines built uh, to my little friends. <laughs> God bless them. Well, speaking of little friends, if anyone takes a scroll through your Instagram feed, which is Jamie the Televiper. Um, oh, we haven't even said it. Yeah, Jamie the Televiper is my handle. Right. Um, yeah, that would be important to, to point out. But they, they, just a quick scroll through. Like before we got on this call, I uh, just scrolled mm-hmm. through to refresh myself on, you know, and you've got like 1,200 something posts. So I just scrolled through. Oh, I've been, I've been at this. I was looking at it myself just getting ready for this. Yeah, it's been a really long time. My first post was freaking 2013. Oh, okay. Yeah, knocked, I was going to ask that. It was me over with a feather. It was December 31st, 2013. I had sort of a scheduled launch on Instagram because I had been, uh, as a younger man, I was an actor and uh, mostly in theater. And uh, then kind of got into backstage theater in LA because I was starving to death. And um, <laughs> then, uh, but then I started doing stand up and I was doing a lot of stand up comedy, just, you know, amateur circuit, but it was a lot of fun, met a lot of people. And mm-hmm. um, I sort of just recently kind of put that on the back burner. But um, Instagram was like, I was going to tie it all together. Like it was going to be this like Jamie the Televiper, like media, like, you know, blitz of like, you know, toy comedy, toy pictures, toy collection, you know, a lot of pictures of stuff in the box. Um, then I was going to, you know, perform and do toy comedy. And, um, and so I, I remember saying like, you know, January 1st, 2014 will be my big debut. So the day before I posted a couple test shots and, you know, my friends had talked me into it and, um, I didn't do any of that really. Um, I didn't, I immediately, I decided I don't want everybody, you know, in my business. So I, I don't, you know, I don't want to launch this brand or do any of this stuff. Uh, but the Instagram stuck. The Instagram was super fun. That was like, that was like the part that, um, I don't know, that really invigorated me again. Like I was burning out on stand up comedy and like I didn't feel like getting back into theater performance. Um, so like, I don't know, Instagram was like a saving grace. Like all of a sudden this sort of artistic expression fell into my lap um, or at least a place to share it. I had been taking toy photos previous to that for a couple of years, but um, just, you know, friends of like I once in a while I put one on Facebook and get like 10 likes and a lot of odd comments from like my sister and my family <laughs> being like, is this what you do there? And you know, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is literally what I do here. <laughs> Thank you for asking. It could be way weirder things to do out there. 
The, well, right, right. But it was really and it's it's like, again, the people younger than us, I mean, I'm, I'm 39. So like people like, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years younger than me and younger than that, like, yeah, with like the sort of geek renaissance are like kind of into it. Like, even though they didn't grow up watching Thundercats, right. like they'll dig like a nicely composed shelf of Thundercats, like they're beautiful toys. Um, and, you know, they'll want to hear about it, and get into it. But, yeah, like people are my age and a little older than me are like suspicious of it. They're like, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? You're you know, we all saw, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like we, we all saw 40 year old virgin. We know you're supposed to meet, <laughs> you know, a woman with kids. You're supposed to sell your entire collection, you know, and it's, you know, start your new life toilet. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I love to 40 year old, year old virgin, but I don't necessarily take that moral to heart. You know what I mean? We can, we can I, find yeah. love and keep our toys. Yeah, we can have I both. Think. I, I don't I, think you I have mean, to sacrifice a, one for the other. Yeah. I mean, my, my, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, my grandmother was terrified. She saw some game show in which uh, I think baggage with Jerry Springer on Game Show Network. I like to plug things. Um, and <laughs> on it, like this woman, basically like the two winners were going to like go on a super, you know, three day weekend date. But she rejected him because he had a secret and it was like a thousand piece toy collection. Really? And my my grandmother saw that and she was up nights like she didn't tell me. I talk oh to my, my grandmother God. once a week on the phone because I'm a good boy. But um, she didn't tell me that this was worrying her. But she was like, Jamie's going to die alone because no <laughs> woman will have him. And she didn't understand because she's like, who cares? You don't beat him. You know what I mean? You don't like you're, you're a nice man. You make money. You know, you're sweet. Yeah. Who would care? And, and, and I had to tell her and I was like, well, man, I'm not going to marry that woman. You know what I mean? Obviously, right. that's not going to no, work. Any- no one's no one's going to marry that woman, apparently. I, I mean, really. If like, you're like, that like, shallow. Uh, um yeah, like you know what? If the guy's an alcoholic or or whatever, he's got serious problems. Maybe he's a um, serial killer. She'll be fine with it. Yeah. But a thousand yeah. piece toy collection? Forget it. <laughs> Forget him. And some people will steal from you. You know, some you know some spouses are terrible. They'll do anything to. Um, but I, so, uh, but thank goodness that's not the case. Uh, there are there are in fact you know there there you know women who if not with toy collections can appreciate toy collections. Um, I got lucky, actually. My girlfriend, like, has a huge vintage toy collection, so I'm a... Um, oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, we actually met on Instagram, uh, which is, you know, th- not not only did Instagram reinvigorate my creative life, uh, but also reinvigorated um, my non-existent romantic life. So I'll tell you, that Instagram will do everything. You know, it's just, it's it's a full, full-time, it's a bomb. <laughs> well, I wonder how common that is. To to meet someone on Instagram that is, that that's a long shot yeah that that that, that is pretty crazy. well was it something <laughs> where you met her early on on Instagram or was this something that came about later on after you you had some traction there no it was it was it was pretty early um, it was something where uh, they you know she took a picture you know what I mean and again she has a lot of vintage um, and uh, you know just something that really appealed to me. I barely, I, you know, just whatever the composition was, you know, some battle beasts and some Shiraz, you know, and some My Little Ponies. And uh, it was just really wacky, and you know, it was a little weird. Uh, when you know, like odd, you know what I mean? Which is, you know, I like uh, strange pictures uh, sometimes. Like I don't, I don't like to do a normal thing. I like GI Joe's riding Bone Age dinosaurs and stuff. Um, so you know, it just had that sense of I think they might have been all doing each other's hair. Like it was just adorable. And, you know, I commented like, this is awesome or some innocuous, you know, sort of thing, because, on you know, it's fun to talk back and forth on Instagram. That's kind of the point, I think, um, you know, meet the folks, see, uh, see who you see. And um, and so we eventually started DMing, which only started because she had like a lot of accessories to identify and was like, hey, do you know any of these? And sent me a picture of like 20. 
And I think I picked out like 89 Toy Biz Batman spear gun. You know what I mean? And was like, that's what that is. And that was enough to uh, <laughs> yeah. gain a lady's interest. She was like, know? oh, this guy knows his stuff. <laughs> he knows his stuff. And, uh, and um, but we, we DM'd a long time. Then we met at a couple cons, um, you know, just sort of met up and like shook hands. But uh, we didn't really start. Uh, it's long. She doesn't live near here. So like I was scared of long distance. And um, but just this past summer, uh, we met at a con um, and sort of made it official, which was kind of cool. And that's um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, but again, it's a uh, you know, my whole life uh, I'm, I'm dumb because I say things, but I don't listen to myself. But for years since high school, I've been saying you know, since, since I basically started collecting vintage, which I guess was more college. I said, you know, uh, whenever anyone would ask, you know, if I'm seeing anyone, I would say, you know, someday I'll run into a woman um, with a vintage Hasbro, you know, 80s My Little Pony collection to match my vintage 80s G.I. Joe collection. Because G.I. Joes can ride My Little Ponies like they're correctly scaled. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and right, when, right, I, right. when I meet her, I will politely introduce to my, uh, myself, get on my knee and ask her to marry me immediately because obviously she's the one for me. Uh, so weirdly, I met this woman, uh, ignoring completely my own advice, um, skipped opportunities to, you know, sort of initiate a more uh, romantic relationship and rather kept it very friendly. Cause again, I was so afraid of this long distance thing. Um, so I ignored my own advice and like almost blew it. Like I met the, my little pony woman and just sort of, you know, blah, 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 ha ha ha. That's just something I say, uh, almost screwed it up and then realized idiot, you've given yourself the best advice you could have given for 20 years. And so thank goodness I got my head on straight because, my God, she's awesome. And, um, you know, we've gone to the museum in L.A. together to take pictures of, you know, He-Mans and She-Ras. And it's just <laughs> everything, everything you've dreamed. So uh, she's on Instagram doing the same thing then, right? Taking taking photos and stuff? She is. Yeah, she is. She hasn't been um, super active lately. But, uh, yeah, she's uh, gotcha. she, she, she was a, uh, you know, again, I've been, I, it's amazing how long I've been here. And, you know, Instagram feels like it comes in waves where, you know, like people get started and they get so into it. And then, you know, some people will hang out in like, you know, sort of uh, like, a, a, like a tertiary setting. You know, maybe they'll throw a couple posts up a year. Some people will disappear completely, you know, post a hundred things for a hundred days and then you never hear from them again. And, you know, you have all sorts of, but I don't know, the sort of prominent uh, users seem to like ebb and flow. You know, sometimes this will be the hot account or that'll be the hot account. Um, so I don't know. So it just that uh, she was she was part of a previous ebb. <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, I got into this a little bit in the in the last episode with uh, action figure photos about the the ebb and flow and he and a few other of the accounts that uh that i follow are very consistent they post almost every day for you know years yeah years. yeah no that's uh that that's really the dedication when i started the vow was uh, i used to used to be in my like little biography was you know action figure photo a day from now until forever and for two and a half years, I posted daily, which was a challenge. Uh, I, when, I, when I set up the idea, my thought was, well, I'll just, you know, I, I have like an eight-foot collapsible table, L-shaped wedged up against a six-foot collapsible table in my room. And I covered the whole thing in like brown wrapping paper. Um, so, it, you know, just for this, like, you know, so I have, uh, I want a depth. So I have a good like 10-foot long table. And I would just put up massive, you know, G.I. Joe displays like in my earliest pictures, which um, the cameras weren't as good. But uh, but like I would do huge setups with like, you know, six Cobra planes like I do like a Cobra Air Base 
and, you know, pull all my Cobras out and have, you know, over here Zartan talking to Scrap Iron, you know, doing, you know, just like a whole elaborate thing. And I pictured in my head. Because those, those two, those two are oh, all best friends. Talking. Well, that was, we know that, that was, I was trying to, uh, well, 84 guys, you know, they, they, uh, they got the same, they graduated, <laughs> they graduated the same year. Uh, but I, <laughs> they're from that mythical, the mythical 84 oh, class of 84. Oh, well, everybody, like, yeah, Scrap Iron's the lamest one, you know, and he comes with a full-size missile launcher. You know, I mean, what a great crop. When that's the <laughs> lamest one, that is a great crop of toys. He's got to compensate a little Poor bit. Poor guy, you know? they just never never found a use for him. But anyway, he did invent the bats of the cartoon. I think that's notable. Um, but anyway. Yeah, especially being in 86 uh, when he wasn't yeah, available you, anymore. You, you, couldn't even, you couldn't even buy him. He has a huge role in, uh, in, in the Serpentor series. What exquisite timing. The Joes have allowed themselves to become soft and weak. Are the bats ready, Scrap Iron? Yes, Destro. This is the last battle android trooper. We're ready to attack. Then move out, Cobra! Anyway, but, uh, hey, well, who doesn't like Scrap I guess it should be Scrap Iron. Uh, Jamie the Scrap Iron. I screwed up. Anyway. Or just go full-on Scrap Iron the Televiper. Scrap Iron the Televiper. If I ever want to change, that would not be a bad one. <laughs> if I just want to get my name the hell off of there, that would not be a bad one. <laughs> so you used to set up the table uh, oh, to I get the depth like, of the like, shot. And, and huge setups, you know, and then I'd, like, snap a picture and sort of keep it for myself. Like, this is right before Instagram. But what I was picturing was, was like, oh, cool, I'll just run through and, like, take 30 photos in this setup. You know what I mean? Long shots, close-ups, you know, of all the little interactions I've done. Right. And then I can just easily list one a day. You know what I mean? I'll edit them all at once and just have them to, like, list and list and list. But then, like, I got to Instagram, and uh, I had no idea at the time there were, like, serious size restrictions on Instagram. Like, photos that were too big, you know, file size too big, you couldn't even load. So I was taking photos. It was like it was like a point mm, okay. and click digital, but it was still, you know, very rich, like a nice, a decent camera, not not a professional camera, but a nice, you know, personal camera. And uh, these files. So I had to, like, prop them so close and, you know, I'd lose all of my depth. And I think back then it had to be square like it was before you could do the land, you know, before you could adjust it. Yes. And um, so all of these photos right. I'd taken, like, didn't really look good. And, you know, I'd sort of cut up and get what I could. Plus, taking with a click camera, I didn't realize how quickly those setups collect dust, like, overnight. You know, like, overnight, you get, like, a piece of, like a piece of oh, dust yeah. on Snake Eyes' nose. And, and um, you know, so I do <laughs> cool lighting because uh, I have a theater background. So I do have, I'd say, probably my, my only back, back pocket skill walking into toy photography was I do have a little lighting, um, you know, that I've always, you know, had the, in the back of my head the ability to do. Um, so I get like the cool, you know, like stark white light, you know, on a dark background and it would look all great. And all mm -hmm. you can see was the freaking dust. I hear you. <laughs> you know, maybe look like a pig person. <laughs> well, it's happened to me too, man. Uh, countless times where I'll take a vehicle that's been sitting on a shelf and shoot it and it looks great in camera. And then when I open it on my computer in Lightroom, yeah, um, you know, all the dust is there. Oh, so I what I started to do recently is make sure i give it a good wipe down with a cloth before yeah which, oh which which does great good i mean that that is i think i started you know kind of experimenting with that i always used uh for years i've used uh paint brushes the dust you know like dry paint brushes which really kind of knocks it off them that's a great um, that's a great idea oh that's uh, that's a jamie the televiper tip to the listeners uh yeah seriously get a get a kit of dry <laughs> paint brushes soft tip you could Get, get your, your notes, notes out. out. You can get into every nook and cranny, um, which in toy photography, you know what I mean? Those hydrofoils, man. 
they will collect dust. They are no oh, joke. There's a lot of nooks, <laughs> and, nooks and crannies. Man, there's nooks in the nooks on the hydrofoil. <laughs> like, it's nuts. Um, so it just changed, changed my life, uh, the paintbrushes. Um, but I had all this, like, you know, all of a sudden I realized all this sort of stock that was going to make posting a picture a day easy was gone. So I got into this strange cycle mm-hmm. of, like, I would sort of run home from work and take the picture for that day or maybe take the picture for the next day. Yeah. And uh, so I'd spend a cup. Dude, it's uh, tough. I was doing that this time last year. Yeah. Doing the same thing, trying to run home, get a photo or two. And um, after like a few weeks of doing that, it takes a toll. It's hard. I did it for two years. Now, I would cheat a little. Uh, part of what I would take pictures of would be uh, what I would call like box toy porn. Like if I get a cool new boxed item, like. Just take oh, a picture yeah. of that, which I like. Like I love the 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 art on the boxes and everything. Box art is one of my passions. It's half the fun of collecting is the cool boxes. Um, yep, same here. And, but then it, and I don't know that I sort of got away from because it turned into a "Hey, look at what I got" kind of game where people would be like, "Wish I could yeah. get that." Fine yeah, line. it really is. Yeah, there's a fine line there. Like, I think you're if you post it because you're excited that you got it. And it's more like you're just genuinely yeah, and excited. That, that, that's always where I would. That's always where I would come from. But you know, I just it's it's. I really try to. Uh, I live my life trying to be like 100 percent non-offensive, which is a full-time job. And um, <laughs> these oh, days, no, yeah, that's good why, luck that's with really that. Basically, why I stopped doing stand-up because I was like, well, it's impossible. You're gonna you're gonna offend somebody. <laughs> I know. Nothing's nothing yeah, can be funny. Nothing Nothing's funny, funny anymore. It used to be like I used to think, well, food. You can joke about food. Well, some people you know fast, and some people can't eat certain things. And I'm like, well, son of a gun, I'm out. I'm out. Don't tell Jamie. Don't tell me what to eat. Exactly. Exactly. I'm offended. Well, fried chicken. Okay, never mind. Just <laughs> didn't work for me. But never mind. Never mind. Um, yeah, you can't, oh, you can't throw a stick. Um, so the box, so I just, I sort of stopped doing that. And I I told myself, I was like, you know, that, that's a little easy. You know what I mean? To just, cause I had a huge box collection and I was always getting stuff in the mail. And I said, what you really like doing is, you know, taking cool pictures of them or televipers doing silly things in public or, you know, that's where the passion lies. So, you know, try to direct it back towards that. So after the two and a half years, I made like a conscious decision to post a little less, and, um, you know, spend a little more time on the photos, you know, like, like, uh, you're, you're, uh, I mean, uh, you know, like really you're an excellent example of, uh, you know, like you, you build those dioramas in your pizza boxes and like, you can, you know, like, and, and get some value out of it. And then you get like something really unique that's never been seen before. Not another picture of like the GI Joe whale box <laughs> you know, to just throw in the pile of pictures of GI yeah. Joe whale boxes that are stacked up on Instagram already, which is still amazing to see. I, every time I see it, I, um, it, it, I basically have that moment of being back to nine years old. Seeing oh, the store. The whale. You know, every time I see that kind of artwork, the whale, the mo- water moccasin, any of that stuff, I, I mean, like brand names. I remember being in brand names back in the day and seeing that stuff all lined up right before Christmas and just being blown oh, away. So even though I've oh, seen and, and, it a thousand it's times, never bad. It's still as impressive today as it Heck was. Yeah, I back never then and I me. and I never not like a photo of GI Joe box art. You know what I mean? That's uh, I always like a photo of GI Joe box art. I'll go back if I'm scrolling through my feed and forget to like it. I'll stop myself, go back and like that picture of GI Joe box art because it is like yeah, there's nothing like it. That's the world where where I played. Like it was a little influenced from the cartoon and a little influenced from the comic, but really it was that like single image 
of them just hauling, you know, hauling butt out of some combat zone, you know, every single gun on the vehicle firing, every missile launching at once. Man, that's some exciting stuff. Can't be matched today. Anybody who doesn't like that stuff, I, ha- I seriously have to question. Because, <laughs> like, a, an artist, a, a talented artist sat down and created that. Like, it is not, you know, it was not um, some schlub. Somebody who could make, you know, a, a decent, functional artist made those, and they're really gorgeous. And then they came out for Night Force, and somebody painted over that. Um, it's great to see on the Night Ray uh, box to still see ripper and whoever else was down in the compartment that they forgot to paint over i think i think it's an eel yeah i'm not sure but i think i think it's an eel with the goggles but no that's fantastic because why would it occur to them that anybody would even look and here we are 30 years later being like i call foul what are they doing in there yep (laughs) the stowaways that the joes don't know about or on the tiger uh tiger shark box um i forget who's piloting it but if you look at his thigh it's still copperheads oh i never noticed that i don't have that one i need to check that out i love the i mean because those are great too like they did a nice job on the repaints you know with the with the tiger force and the python patrol and everything subtly converting people into their previous forms Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh that's cool stuff but yeah i know i noticed that you're um if you kind of look through the evolution of your feed you could see yourself you know posting less but the quality kind of raised up you know, and um, what's interesting is I'm wondering if you've noticed any change in your engagement with, you know, people commenting or even seeing your photos now that you post less. Because if you go back to, I want to say a year ago, roughly around this time, early, early yeah. 2017, mm-hmm. when Instagram really kind of r- rolled out their new algorithm to pretty much everyone. Um, yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, things. Yeah, that the things changed then. That is. Yeah, true. I noticed for me for sure. I, t- I took a huge hit almost overnight, and um, it's not been quite mm-hmm. the same. And now I notice if you post, like if I post uh, five, seven days straight, um, the engagement's way better on each post. If I take even a day, two days, three days in between posts, that next post I uh, I post is way down in engagement it's almost like no one even sees it it's really it's fascinating and it really hit me i write about when the, and, and this sort of i sort of uh, i didn't exactly stop posting but i slowed down because a couple right i don't remember if it was when they changed the arrangement then or maybe it was the previous time they sort of adjusted how the feed works you know where they would try to suggest things to you but i took uh i don't usually pander in my photos but once in a while i'll feel like getting likes so I'll just take a you know a really nice composed shot of a bunch of popular vipers or like a bunch of popular GI Joe ninjas, mm-hmm. and like, you know I'd call that like fishing. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all right, here's Snake Eyes Corpse. Okay, you idiots, there you go. Enjoy them, everybody. We all love them. Um, and I did one of the Python Patrol, which was like exactly in that mode. I got the whole Python Patrol in the in the picture. You know, of course the televipers holding the camera, but they're all in there. I got like, and I have like four or five Python Vipers and like all the guys stacked out on the stun behind them, like a beautifully composed shot. I love it. One of my favorites. And yeah, it got like half the likes that an average picture got. And I was like, what kind of God would let this happen? It broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. it's and, uh, For um, me, it's like the likes just give me a sense of how many people actually saw the photo. And not that everyone likes it, but I feel like if you have more likes, more people saw the photo. I think that's kind of true, because if you're looking at that kind of photo, you know what I mean? Like, if you're like, oh, I want to see some Joes, you know, there's there's, you know, by the time you get there, there's a good chance you'll double. Yeah. If you've even taken the time to look around. for Yeah. It. And I think like 
you know, we're spending time doing this stuff. I just want people to see it, whether they like it or comment or not. I just want them to see the photo. So, oh, and, and that's the truth of the thing. I think in your last podcast, you mentioned, you know, it's nice to uh, to participate in the creation of media instead of just like sitting quietly and consuming yes, it. Ex- even if it's in, you know, this sort of low end way, I really I appreciate that sentiment. And I really I sort of live there, too, that, uh, yeah, you might as well play in the game, even if you're not the uh, star quarterback. Right. Yeah. And uh, one of your uh, photos that has a ton of likes on it, I think, is uh, the Golden Girls selfie with uh, the Televiper, which. Um, oh, that's my recent favorite. Uh, Gosh, that guy. Yeah. Good. <laughs> when, that, when they released those, I, st- I, d- I don't have those. Um, uh, what are they? Um, reaction figures. Right. But. The reaction, and they came out at New York Comic Con. Yes. which I've never been any. I've been never been anywhere near New York Comic Con. But this is another Instagram miracle. <laughs> they made like a thousand. They made like one thousand extra units or something. And with the deal that Target dot com would oh, sell. Oh yeah, them. I heard. Yeah, right. and so I bought them for retail. Like I think they were twenty five dollars. Um, and because somebody on Instagram, I wish I could remember who it was because they owe them a lot. I love that set. Uh, literally said, "Hey, I just went on Target.com. The freaking New York Comic Con Golden Girls are on there. Buy one, you know, one per customer. You ought to check it out." And I went immediately, and I put it in my cart, and I, you know, it was it was at my house two days later. Um, I did a rare. Uh, I forget if I did a story, a rare Instagram story on that, or if I just did a video of opening them, which I rarely do, but I was so excited. Um, and but I would have never found them. They're hundreds of dollars oh my now. God. It's the stupidest oh, thing in the world, dude. I I don't get that. They're hundred for no. Of course, of course, everybody wants the freaking Golden Girls figures. Why wouldn't you make? You know what? They made the Funko Pops of the Golden Girls. They made millions. Who cares? Not nothing against the pops, but you I'm know, not a fan. It's petering those, out a little. Those yeah, it was fine. Soulless black eyes. Yeah, I don't have any. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's too it's too easy. I hate it when they. I hate it when they mine, you know, they mine us too easily. Right. They're like, just take our money, darn it. You know, just, you're not even trying. You're using the same body mold for everything. Ah, I think fine. I was at a, a, um, a Target yeah. one time and they had, you know, the wall of Funko Pops st- sitting there. And I think it was the new Star Wars mm-hmm. ones at the time. And I think I was there for probably, mm-hmm. you know, 25 minutes just staring into those eyes. And I, mean, <laughs> I was lost. literally hypnotized <laughs> by the fact there's nothing there but evil. And I'm like, I, I can't. I'm Dude. glad you turned away because I think after 90 seconds is when they get you and then you would have bought them all. You know, they're like all of a sudden you have those black eyes and you're like, yes, I must have the Funko Pops. It's Jabba the Hutt and Slacious Crumb. How will I live and without it? My head them? got super big and my body got super small and I just wobbled my way around <laughs> Target. Your points of articulation suffered yep, terribly. Yeah, I can't even feed myself. My, my <laughs> hand doesn't reach my mouth. Uh, dude, I... <laughs> oh, poor Funko Pop. But yeah, that Golden Girl set is like perfect. Like each of them, of course, I'm a huge fan of 80s sitcoms as well as 80s toys. But uh, I have a lot of Golden Girls like on iTunes and stuff that I watch. Oh, yeah, that's in regular rotation here with Fraser. It's like Golden Girls. Oh, you can't Golden beat Girls it. Fraser is like back, back to back here constantly. If I don't. F- the one liner, the, oh, the yeah. one liners on Golden Girls. Fraser was good at the setups. You know, they would do like those almost farcical scenes where they're slamming doors right. and missing each other. But Golden Girls and those one-liners, and all four of them could deliver, oh, which I yeah. think is the strength of the show. Mm-hmm. Any of them, you know, you just sort of pick, you'd write the one-liner, and then I think they'd assign it to the girl who would be the most, you know, the most effective delivery. Right. But each of those figures' outfits is like a specific outfit from one episode that they like, you know, put. So it's just really well done, like really well done. They they mostly look like them, which is a, a good thing for that that line. 
Uh, Sophia's purse is the purse that she carries through the entire series. <laughs> that old lady beaded. I just love them, but now I'm afraid to touch them because I took that picture before I realized their value. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, now I feel like I need to keep them in like a locked safe where you know no one can look at them. But mostly, I just want to yeah, like have them out and take televiper pictures. Like the televipers making out with them. I mean, I, I can't. Got, you know, he looks a, good with them. Gotta say, uh, he fits right in. Well, that's a good uh, one of the. I I, I learned because I um. Uh, again, in your last podcast, you had talked about equipment used and, you know, what, you know, what cameras, you know, we're using and what we think is best. And I am um, I think I'm a good example of uh, of a very, very lazy toy photographer. Like I want it to look good. And um, but I don't want to spend like several hours on each shot. Mm-hmm. And so part of that and, and I also I don't do any post editing short of cropping myself. Uh, I think action figure photos mentioned as much, but I don't like to adjust color on the back end. I don't like to go into anything like I, I prefer to light it and make it look right and then just crop it out and I'm done only for my own sanity because like I can get into that rabbit hole, you know what I mean? And I'll never come out, you know, I'll I'll be editing the same photo, you know, dealing with like slight color variation for the rest of my life, you know, just trying to get it. Right. Right. I think if the more you can do in camera, the better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that's where I live. And and that comes from when I started, um, like my whole life, I've sort of, I don't, I artist sounds pretentious, but I've always, I've been a performer for years, you know, I was super, I was very into theater and uh, acting and, you know, monologues and, and really like lived it and, and breathed it. And theater's awesome. Like it's super cool. I love playing characters, but like, even to do a one man or one woman show, you need like 15 people, you know, you need a lighting director and a costume person and, you know, a box office and there's a whole financial end and all this money involved. And everybody has to like agree on things. Like it's all these long meetings where people argue about minor points of like, you should say it this way. You should say it this way. And it was just like, Oh, this collaborative art was killing me. Like I just wanted to create something that didn't take 15 freaking people. And that led me to stand up, which was cool. Uh, because you can sort of, you know, you get your, uh, your feedback on the back end. you know, you yep. don't, you don't know if it's any good until they laugh or not. And I like that because we didn't have to argue about it on the front end. You just do it and you get what you get. And I'm like, this is awesome. But I would, I don't know, like in writing and everything, I was such a, I didn't, I wanted to appear a certain way and was almost becoming a perfectionist where like, I was just throwing bits out left and right because they weren't quite right. I just, I don't know. I was trying to reach this level of perfection in my art. And uh, Instagram, part of the part of the revitalization for me was to learn to just live with Mm -hmm. it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, take a bunch of shots and pick your favorite one and just post it. You know, maybe it's not the greatest shot you ever took or maybe it doesn't look like, you know, exactly what you pictured in your head. But I bet it's fine. And I bet people will like it. You know what I mean? And I bet, you know, it's it's a way we've never seen, you know, Firefly the Saboteur before. So just post it. Who cares? And uh, that was very good for my brain. It's the like 80-20 rule, right? You know, get it 80% and get it out because that extra 20% trying to reach perfection can basically sabotage you getting anything done. Yeah, you'll just be sitting on a group of 90 half-edited photos that have never been posted. Yeah, I think that's where uh, people like us or anyone attempting a creative endeavor can find themselves stuck uh, and end up stopping because they, they try to reach perfection and they can't keep that level of perfection up day in and day out every day. Yeah, because, yeah, who has the luxury, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what happens is you'll just burn out in that scenario. So uh, it's better to create more, more often, post more, create more, 
uh, versus trying to be perfect, creating less, posting less, um, you won't grow uh, as fast. Basically, you'd like to grow over time versus in fits and starts. Ain't that the truth, too? Because, yeah, I um, I had done very little photography before I started taking action figure photos. Um, I uh, I work with uh, TV, ca- like video cameras at work, but not much still camera stuff. And, again, lighting at work. But um, as far as holding a camera in my hand and snapping pictures, like, that's all brand new i think i only owned the digital camera that i started on because of ebay because i would do some you know every every couple years i do like an ebay dump where i you know sort of sell whatever i'm not as into at that moment um sometimes i buy it back a couple years later because i'm an idiot but usually it's stuff that i'm done with and i could just push out of the house to be like you know stick were great i'm done with stick goodbye stick you know it's fine you know i could uh I have a, i have an emotional attachment to stuff from when i was a kid but most of the sort of claptrap the modern stuff I can sort of take in and out. You know what I mean? I buy it because it looks cool when I'm grocery shopping at Target. And then a year later, I'm like, and away we go. I'm a very generous Toys for Tots donor because I buy so much crap at Target and I don't even open it all. So at the end of the year, I just dump all these like Marvel Legos and Star Wars vehicles. Oh, I hear you. I picked up some Lego Force Awakens sets. Um, what is it now? Two, year- two years ago, right? It's been two years. Uh, um, yeah. And I'm not using them. They're just taking up space. I'm at the point where I think it's time for me to just unload them, you know? Legos are super fun, I find. I always liked Legos. As a kid, you know, I was into the space Legos and the castle Legos. And some of that love has continued. Castle Legos are famously, I think I sold them all in high school to a friend of mine. But she was my age, but actually built with Legos. Like, she would still play with them and, like, build giant models and stuff. So it was a good sale, in my opinion. You know, I wasn't doing anything with them. But then a couple years later, of course, I missed them like crazy. So towards the end of college, like I just bought like six Lego castle sets for I forget why. And I put them all together and I loved them. And then a couple years later, I sold them and then had the notion, no, you need Castle Lego again. So then I you know, bought a bunch. It's just crazy with me and the Castle Lego. But uh, Lego sets, I find the new ones retain their value pretty well. Like if you have a sales presence on eBay, I like to put them together like puzzles, just something to do. And when you take them apart, if you keep all the pieces and like all the instructions, like you tend to be able to sell them for close to what you bought them for. Sometimes they appreciate, which is insane. Like when you actually play with a toy and it's worth a little more on the back end. Um, Like I had all those original Lego Batman sets that came out like, gosh, it might be 10 years ago now. Um, I remember those. uh, I remember uh, I opened them all, played with them. You know, I took pictures of them long before Instagram, you know, just to have. I wonder where those are. Those are actual paper pictures, <laughs> dear Lord. Um, but, I, you know, I did all that and sold them back at like a 50% profit, which to this day blows my mind. It's crazy. Some of the stuff is like an investment. It's like buying bonds these days. But other things aren't aren't worth it. Like I have uh, some Spawn toys from the 90s, and they're, they're not worth anything. They're, they're worth less than they were brand new. Pretty much garbage. No, the early 90s, early mid-90s were a terror. I, I guess that's when they started selling two collect and it destroyed everything you know like by yeah, two comic by books three. went nuts then like i have a hundred yeah, copies yeah, of wildcats one and they're they're worth like 60 cents a piece oh my god oh my god it was yeah when x-men came out not uncanny x-men in that era and i think there were four or five variant covers including a deluxe foil variant you know um, and that's when like Jim Lee was doing a guest cover on every comic published for six months straight. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was, oh, I did too. Like I was there, but I remember when comics like abandoned me, it might've been when they went to a buck 25 or a buck 50 
and Pennsylvania where I lived used when I was little, like until I was like 13, they didn't put state tax on books because they wanted to encourage you to read. Like there was no state tax on groceries or state tax on clothing. Uh, but then they changed it and there was state tax on books. So all of a sudden, you know, I think at that point at 13, I probably got $10 a week allowance or something, you know, like instead of buying 10 books or eight books, you know, like it literally meant six books because there was tax now. And that's about when, and, you know, I was trying to put all those collections together where, you know, like you, Spider-Man, you know, would have a, a long spanning story and you'd have to buy the Doctor Strange that month because it was part of it. You'd have to buy the, the, uh, the Alpha Flight that month because, you know, it was part of it. And, yeah, I really tried, and they destroyed me financially. And I had yeah, to you know up. that's pretty much when the marketing people <laughs> took hold of these comic companies and uh, decided to be a, an awesome idea to uh, get these special covers made uh, that cost them ten cents a cover or less, but they'll mark it yeah. up from a dollar to three fifty per issue and make all this extra cash. You know, die cut covers, hologram covers, bagged, uh, poly bagged covers with. Uh, cards, uh, sixteen variants of the covers, um, and, and that oh, kind of just and, and killed it, it uh, by the by the mid or late nineties, I guess, and uh, early two thousands, it was dead, and then pretty much now it's come back as mostly movies, and the comics aren't as important. And only now, because of the movies, some of those comics are getting value again because people like I, you know, it's it's all of a sudden millions of people know who Alpha Flight is. You know what I mean? And there's a little a little interest floating around because some Marvel executive, you know, said it out loud, like, "Oh, we Alpha Flight, we got to go back and look into this." I think it's great. Yeah, I I actually have the first appearance of Deadpool um, in the New Mutants, uh, whatever number that is. Ah, and, yeah, um, yeah. You know that has skyrocketed in value since the Dead Deadpool movie came out. And it, I have the one that's printed on that other paper, whatever the rare paper is, so it's worth more. Um, but I wish I had more than one copy. I only have the and one. Now copy, you have the so, one. Yeah, well, Deadpool cool. was a boon. I um, I never, I rarely buy toys like off the shelf and keep them for value. But right before I moved to California, for some reason, I bought an extra Marvel Legends Deadpool. You know, like the 2004 edition with the two heads. He came with Dupe from Ecstatics. And it's a beautiful toy. I think he's got 44 points of articulation. And it's when Marvel Legends uh, by Toy Biz, not the Hasbro ones, was like tight, like the joints are tight. Great toy, you know, holsters for the guns, you know, really a gorgeous toy. And yeah, he's in his banged up box that mom, my mother somehow extracted after moving four times. Like, I forgot I had it um, retained so much value. <laughs> like, he's so valuable. <laughs> Interesting. OK, so is that something for you? That's important to know that uh, figures or toys in your collection uh, may hold a monetary value above and beyond what you initially paid for them. No, actually, I yeah. Once I buy something, the num the money number goes away in my head. Like it's like I'm a terrible like I hate selling. Honestly, like I don't like um, I don't know. I take it back to theater where I was in high school. Theater was like my hobby. And I loved it. Like, it was my favorite thing in the world. Like, I would go to rehearsals for, you know, 12 hours, smiling the whole time. I just loved the whole process. I would go home and gleefully learn my lines and, like, gleefully rehearse music and rehearse dance steps. And um, and that was cool. Through college, it was cool that was the case because, you know, student was my full-time job. And, you know, like, I worked at Target and stuff. And, um, you know, the theater was for fun. And then right out of college, I was super lucky, like a few months out of college, I got a contract for this theater, you know, like a year long contract. I did three shows with them. 
and I kept signing on with them. Uh, so I worked there four years, you know, as a professional actor, making a good wage. I had benefits and, um, in turning it into my job, like I no longer had a hobby, which was weird. You know, like I went, I, my hobby became my full-time gig. And, um, and although that is sort of when I started to get heavier into toy collecting, I guess, because I needed to reinvigorate an old hobby, uh, which I'm thankful for. Um, the joy in theater kind of dissolved. Like when it was a job and all of a sudden the auditions weren't for fun, they were like, no, I freaking need this. <laughs> you know, like I need the money. Like I don't know what I'll be doing in six months if I don't get this. Nothing will take the fun out of a hobby faster than making it your only source of income. Oh right? my God. Yeah, it was really terrible. And so, and, and so I'm careful with toys, like not to think that way. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's for my enjoyment. And so if I sell, it's to make room. You know, and like it's like like the money is almost a third sort of ethereal uh, object that kind of comes from it. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, I do. It's a sa- I'm the same exact way uh, for me. You know, once in a while I'll sell something because I, for example, I sold a couple um, Cobra bugs recently because I had six of them. And I'm like, I don't yeah. have room for six. Now, the reason I had six is I just have this uh, affinity for that vehicle. You know, but once oh, I got the bugs to, are magnificent. I yeah. love the bug, and it's funny because it's so goofy and sci-fi looking, but also just I don't know. It's just the way it's built, the way it feels in your hand. I love that thing. So um, it's but, it's perfect Cobra. It's a perfect you know like the idea of Cobra going out on a limb and you know trying new things <laughs> and yeah, it's it's a perfect Cobra vehicle. Yeah, so I sold a couple just because I had to make room, you know. So, but I it didn't bring me. It wasn't like I'm trying to get rich off this or make this a business. It was just, got. I live in a small apartment with my girlfriend who's very um, accommodating for all the Joe stuff I have everywhere. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, yeah. it's just you me need, looking around. Partner. Yeah, yeah, I was just looking around like, you know, it's kind of hard for me to justify having a whole whole pile of these same vehicles around. So, you know, I still have a few, but I, I got rid of a couple. <laughs> you know? A few uh, bugs is good. Oh, I love that bug. But back, just, the, the bug is is magnificent. And I have, uh, but just quickly back to the uh, the valuable Deadpool. Speaking of how I disregard values, I sold my loose Marvel Legends a couple years ago at a great profit. I was very happy with you know the turnaround, just because I was going strictly vintage. Like I needed to get out of the retro world and live in the vintage world for okay, space that, reasons. That's good. All right, so I want to I, I want to get back to I mentioned this earlier but I didn't finish the point. So but your feed, you know, Instagram feed is is almost entirely vintage. And if just running through, I made a list, okay? And I'm going to ramble through oh. it right now, okay? This is just I'm sure I forgot a couple, but just as a, just a scroll, probably 2 to 3 minutes of scrolling. Um, uh-huh. you know, all right, this is what I've come across, right? G.I. Joe, Transformers, Cops, Sector, Starcom, Thundercats, J.C. and the Wheeled Warriors, <laughs> Battle Beasts, He-Man, Centurions, Mask, Star Wars, Turtles, GoBots, Lego, Dino Riders, Beetlejuice, Superpowers, Bone Age, Muppets, Toxic Avenger, Inhumanoids, Visionaries, Air Raiders. Whew. Man, that's a great list. Now you admit there's a couple robotics in there, a little oh, willow. I but knew yes, I, missed I mean that was a beautiful. That's a beautiful cross section. I'm, I'm, a, I cast a wide net. If I had one when I was a kid in my head, I'm allowed to collect it now. That sound logic to me. And thanks to KB and their ridiculous discounts, I had at least one of everything. 
Like I, you know, one of every line, you know, like I had, you know, and, and boy, and that's all, that's the justification. If I had one, like, you know, $3 figure in 1988, that's the justification now for me to seek out the base, you know, for hundreds of dollars. Oh, <laughs> Cause man. I'm like, Oh, I collected those. Yeah. I, I forgot to mention Ghostbusters, which you have not only the real Ghostbusters, but the filmation goofy. Oh, Ghostbusters the weird too. filmation Ghostbusters. Yeah. That collection of mine has expanded nicely. Now I don't have the only good guy I have is the little pink bat. I see him. Uh, yeah. Belfry. Yeah. He's, and he came with a uh, Bratterat was, uh, who's like the evil sidekick. Like he's the evil Orco in filmation Ghostbusters. Like he's oh, a sort of floating, yeah. disgusting rat demon. And, yeah. uh, he, <laughs> like he has this raspy, cool voice. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I just, I did, as a kid, I dug him the most and I wanted him so bad. I wanted him so bad. I never found him. He was like the only one in the line. Like I didn't want any others, but I think I bought Fangster, the futuristic werewolf at KB just cause like on the back, you could see Bratterat like in the figure lineup. And, you know, I don't, th- I think I saw him once in my life, uh, on sale. And so he was one of those ones that as a collector, as an adult, I was like, I need that now. And Filmation Ghostbusters, despite being reviled by everyone publicly, is kind of a pricey line. Yeah, I've never purchased any, whether I was a kid or as an adult, just because I really wasn't into it as a kid. I don't. It doesn't mean I didn't watch the cartoon because I did. But yeah, that's what I. The cartoon sort of was always in my brain, and even when, like, I think they made a year of it, which would have been sixty-five episodes, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember it rerunning, you know, for years, like on odd times, like you know, at six a.m., you know, before other cartoons oh, really yeah. ran. It ran for a while. Yeah, the so same I time uh, Dino Saucers would air. You know, <laughs> yeah, the Dino Yeah, talk <laughs> about stupidly expensive lines. What are they only available like for six months in Argentina? I mean, that is a <laughs> tough line. I feel bad for. The I've never met anyone that had a dinosaur's toy. Not not a one. There's one guy. Uh, it was a uh, Butterman, who's an Instagram guy. Uh, I just remember uh, years ago there was another podcast, uh, toy podcast, that asked me to be on it. That was more tied to comedy, so it was like being a stand-up comedian that also collects was the theme. Okay, and cool. um, he he had he had just gotten one. I think its name was like Duckface or something. Um, quackers, uh, you know, just the silliest <laughs> name. And I think he, he, had, you know, it was like 320 bucks for a loose one. And he was waiting for it because it was literally coming from Argentina. And, um, I was like, I don't, I was like, dang, that is like some hardcore stuff. And this is from a man that has most of the air raiders. Like that is a hardcore collector. Cause at least the air raiders, the obscure 87 Hasbro line came out in the u.s you know what i mean and there wasn't a war going on here and you know distribution was fine i know i had those i love those things um they're a little you know chintzier the vehicles the bigger but they're still cool um yeah they're an interesting one they have a great uh i'm into i'm into play sets and bases are kind of like where i live i never had a flag as a kid but in 85 they did get or in 86 maybe for christmas i got the tactical battle platform yeah that changed that changed the way i played joe you know what i mean i think mm-hmm. before that they had gotten me a Sky Striker, and I liked the big vehicle, like it was cool. But a lot of the time, like in playing with it, even like it would sort of get parked, and Ace and you know, you know, whoever else would you know, airtight would jump out of it and like engage. It was just big and unwieldy, like you know, it was just running around my house with it was was challenging, like it was sort of heavy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the tactical right. battle platform, a, a similarly sized toy, you know, to the Sky Striker but just compact with action features and just subtle stuff like the working crane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, suddenly my whole play arc was like surrounding this one thing, you know, Cobra trying to get on it, Cobra taking yep. it over, GI Joe having to get on it to get him off it again. Just fantastic. And being like, now it's in the desert. Now it's in the water. What a, 
Um, and, and I think that that combined with uh, like uh, some of the Star Wars, like I had Ewok Village. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of Jedi because I'm uh, I was born in 78. So Jedi was the Star Wars movie that was the big figure one for me. Yeah, for my brother, too. He was also uh, my brother's the same age as you. And so he always had a little more uh, Jedi stuff than I did because he was uh, yeah, more dude, into and Jedi. I still, uh, as a vintage collector, in fact, a Jabba's playset, too, was one, even though it's just a throne. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. enough to, like, build the world around it from there. And my very first action figure ever, uh, God bless Aunt Brenda, uh, because in 1983, when I turned, I think Star Wars figures were five and up. Okay. Uh, that you could get, you know, at age five and up. So when I turned five in 1983, uh, having noted that, she got me Dagobah, like Yoda's house, and uh, Hot Luke. So they didn't really go together because I don't think Aunt Brenda had like seen Star Wars. But oh, right. as a five, you know, like, as a new five year old, I also didn't care. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't <laughs> right. worried. About, you know, it was Luke. I didn't care what he was wearing. And um, I don't know. The play sets have always been so near and dear to my heart. And um, so Air Raiders long story short has a fantastic sort of moon base looking mm-hmm. like little 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 like i think i collected the whole line because the the, the play set is just so darn good yeah and that for me same like the tactical battle platform when i got that thing it was uh you know i had a gi headquarters but the tactical battle platform was actually mine it was a, one of the few kind of base setups that my brother and i didn't share um, we we had oh, one of our, I see. What, so you yeah. guys had yeah I see so it was always mine and oh, I always did the battles uh, with that thing I remember the thing was set up on my bed for weeks where you know I have to get into bed and get out of bed carefully so I didn't knock it onto the floor <laughs> yeah no, it's and the thing to this day is unwieldy where I got tricked as an adult I wasn't really tricked but as a kid of course new plastic and everything like I remember you could pretty much disassemble it again I think the crane didn't really come out. But otherwise, like you could take off all the component parts, you know, take the helicopter uh, landing pad off and everything. Because I remember as a kid doing it, you know, Cobra would shoot, quote unquote, missiles at it and like parts would blow off. You know what I mean? And and, uh, but as an adult with old plastic like mine, um, I got mine. It was an open box, uh, but unassembled. I forget if the stickers were on it or not. But, you know, it it was like a partially assembled vintage piece. Uh, because I like to, you know, destroy the value of things and I put it together and, um, it doesn't really come apart now. Cause of course the plastic's older. I'm scared of it. I don't want to break something. Um, and boy, that's an unwieldy thing to store <laughs> when it's all together. It's <laughs> the uh, storage. Like the, the computer bag. Oh my God. With First the, world with problems as a uh, storage room for toys. Yeah, amen. But. Amen. Yeah, well, oh, it is a first world problem, and uh, and I and I acknowledge, of course, if I, if I lose it all in a fire, I'll live. You know, I'll be fine. I will. But uh, in the meantime, what the hell to do with this thing? Oh, wouldn't yeah. it be exciting to collect it all again, though? See, I always think if there was a fire, I'd be devastated for a few days, and then I'd be on eBay, like looking for my next televiper. I mean, I'd be on there, Here, but I, I wouldn't be. <laughs> I wouldn't be happy about it. I'd be devastated. So. Um... Yeah, it, it would be. I mean, I, I think I would be, too. But I don't know. Part of me would be like, well, all right, let's see what uh, let's see what the Transformers are going for. See if we can get those cassettes back. Yeah. Oh, 10 times more <laughs> than the last time I bought them. Great. I know that that's a hell of a thing. <laughs> I, went, I, I got a lot of uh, Transformers, of course, has always been a pricey line. You know, that's one of the few ones that even in the 90s. Oh, had, yeah. a, had a pretty like I mean, even like car to G.I. Joe and stuff in the 90s and into the early 2000s was kind of still affordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, affordable meaning, you know, like I remember seeing, you know, like 86 figures for like 25 bucks each, you know, like hanging at comic book shops. God, I wish I had picked some of those up then. Oh, man. When I moved to L.A., um, uh, there was a shop in Burbank, California, near where I was staying 
that had um, a bunch of vintage Joes. The legend was they were Seth Green's G.I. Joes, that he had literally bought them as a child. Really? You know, Seth Green is the robot chicken yeah, guy, but yeah. also a bit of a million movies, Austin Powers. And he was he an was X-Files. He was literally an X-Files. I mean, he's been in everything. Like, he's got a fascinating career and uh, like it, the TV movie, like really cool stuff. He's got a great career. And of course, he did Robot Chicken, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, no doubt. I haven't, I haven't seen it in 10 years, but I imagine it's still <laughs> awesome. Still just as good. I assume. I assume that nothing changes in 10 years. I'm, I'm that guy. Um, <laughs> but the rumor was, I, I knew I had read an article in Toy Fair magazine when Star Wars Episode One came out. And he mentioned that his whole life, even when he was a kid, he would buy toys and keep them. You know, like this was, he had an idea in his head they would be worth something. So he had maybe 40, 40 Joes from like 85 to 91 uh, sold on consignment through this store. It was before Robot Chicken. I can't imagine he was on, you know, like tough times. But this is before eBay was big, or at least eBay wasn't the the only place to buy. So they had a deal where, you know, they'd split the cost 50-50 and they'd hang them on the pegs. And, uh, yeah, I bought, oh, my God, I bought those Joes. I Like, I'd go in and I remember the prices were going high so fast that at first I walked in and they wanted like $40 for a Hydro Viper in like 2004 and i'm like 40 dollars for a hydro viper this is insane i'll never buy that <laughs> and like four yeah. years four years later running back on payday hoping it was still there because on ebay <laughs> they were 60 now that's that's cool yeah i mean who gets to say like yeah i own seth green's uh childhood toys it's a weird one and the cut like they always insist at the shop because i'd go back periodically once every couple years not often enough that they'd remember me but you know like often enough but they love to tell that story so i assume it's true like it doesn't like it's a dumb thing to keep repeating hey if and, it's true uh, or not i think it's still awesome so i'm gonna just believe it's oh, true it whether and, I mean, and it's i got some good ones like my general voltar is uh you know that i use in pictures my uh my annihilator from destro my uh mainframe and um Sci-fi are Seth Green's main friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, like I, I got a bunch of those guys. That shop was something because they didn't change their prices in like ten years. So I got uh, Lex Luthor's superpowers vehicle in a sealed box, and I'm, oh. I'm dumb, so I opened it. Uh, Thirty dollars. Thirty dollars in a oh, sealed man. box, and and a mask vampire. The mask, the yeah. little red, uh, the little red motorcycle. Also thirty dollars. Every time I'd buy one, the owner would go. Uh, why don't we check the prices on these things? And I would just <laughs> run like, out. Not after I buy it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once you, later. once you get it, though, uh, you know, it's for me when I get sealed items, uh, even now, if I get a good price on them and, you know, I've gotten some luck, uh, especially with Joe's stuff. My mm-hmm. feeling is like I'm getting a great deal on this so that I can open it one day, put it together, uh, put stickers on it, enjoy it like I did as a kid because for me, um, no pun intended, but half the battle was putting it together and putting the stickers on it. Um, that was half the fun. Oh, yeah. Me. You know, Making so I'm not worried nice. about its value or reselling it or what it's worth. I'm just, I want to get the enjoyment out of it like I used to. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because, yeah, my dirty secret as a toy collector, uh, not really a dirty secret, but, yeah, I don't care if it's sealed. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I will open things. If I want to put them together, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it, it like, and, and that's where uh, I stopped posting pictures of things and box things online, too, because of the, you know, with the flack of people like, how I dare know. you? You know, I know. You know, they're like, I'll take it was a common one. You know, don't open uh, it. I'll take it. And I'm like, I'm not opening it because I want to get rid of it. You know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it for this reason. I don't, and, and I mean, but it's hard for me. Like sometimes I have items that like, I don't want to destroy. Like I wouldn't want to open like a one of a kind item, you know what I mean? Or like 
something that there's only like a couple of, I guess, like that would be something. But if I don't right. flip it quick, like nothing in my house, I have a nice collection of sealed even now, but nothing in my house is safe. I think the biggest one, the first Joe Con I went to, which is I think where you and I met, um, mm-hmm. we had followed each other on Instagram. This was your previous account. Um, and we started talking in line, waiting for like our box of figures. Yeah, you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do remember that. Literally, yeah, that was, we that randomly was also, stood next to each other. Yeah, that was also my first JoeCon, and you were the first person I talked to when I got there because I pretty much went to. I got an Airbnb. I went to the Airbnb, dropped off my stuff, and then went straight and got in line. So I didn't meet anybody because mm-hmm, it was you. that gigantic line. Like yeah. we hung out for like three hours just because of that <laughs> enormous line. Um, and it was fun. Then we realized we followed each other, and like that was all cool. Um, but at that convention, I famously bought, uh, the GI Joe general, oh, okay. uh, that there was, there was, there was that dude in the back corner. Like there was this oh, guy, yeah. he had uh, a defiant sealed, um, Oh but, dude, this, he was like, he had everything. He, his contact was his story is nuts. He's got an interesting story himself. Uh, Stevie, I believe his name is toy collector. Stevie is as I list him in my phone. Um, he had a contact in town. His brother owns, uh, he's, he's somehow connected to Cape and Cal collectibles, which is like an orange County toy store, uh, comic store, like down South of here, maybe an hour that I've never been to, but has some reputation. You know, I see pictures from there all the time. Um, and so that's, I guess his collecting connection, but he met an old props guy, um, who made props literally for like the star Trek, the next generation. And for, I think alien and aliens, the movie, and all those and like all this sci-fi TV and movies and what those old props people did was they would buy model kits and G.I. Joe vehicles and no transformers. And, and, and this guy would basically he uh, his his he had a warehouse across the street from a Toys R Us in the San Fernando Valley. And he would go over there from like 1979 to 1999 and just buy, you know, five hundred dollars worth of stuff because he would oh then cut God. it up and like turn it into phasers and spaceships and whatever. But of course, he always bought more than he needed because the raw yep. materials, you know, were pennies on the dollar for what he would, you know, make his money on as a professional. And um, so he would go and just buy, you know, in '84 he bought a dozen Rattlers, you know, in, in, in '85 he bought a dozen tactical battle platforms, in '86 he bought a dozen Havoc, and he yeah. was just, you know, Star Wars, Transformers, GI Joe, everything, He Man stacked up. And when he and then he retired, you know, like in like the early 2000s or mid 2000s, he retired. And still had this warehouse. So he had his uh, basically on contract, this Stevie guy would go to cons and stuff and just drive van loads. You know, if it was the He-Man convention, he would load it up with He-Man stuff. It w- if it was a toy robot connection convention, he'd load it up with Transformers and GoBot and Robotech, you know, and he would just go and they had all this Joe stuff. And that's where all that. I also got um, a Ram, an 82 Ram from him. Uh, that was open box, but one of those cool open box just because the tape fell off. Right. Like the tape dried up and fell yep. off, which yep. is uh, Jamie the Televiper gold, because I'm like, well, it's open. I can put this together. It's open. You yeah. Know, even though it's this pristine thing. And to this day, that's the nicest vintage Joe vehicle I ever put together is that Ram, which, uh, you know, like the stickers were just pristine and perfect. Mm-hmm. And the plastic, like no discoloration. Like I waited for years to get a Ram because I wanted the right one. And like I did the right thing because now my Ram is perfect. Um, yeah, that was my first uh, Joe vehicle was the. Was the Ram? I oh, was it really? Yeah. So there's always a, until I there's a special place in my heart for that. Uh, my parents weren't into guns, so like they were weird about GI Joe. They allowed Star Wars because it was like separated from reality, and they were shooting lasers, I guess. And He Man was cool, even though looking back, every like half the He Man guys had guns. 
But yeah. G.I. Joe, I guess, you know, my dad wasn't drafted, but, you know, was uh, nearly drafted in Vietnam. You know, they just had like they were yeah. kind of hippie types, you know, they just weren't into it. And finally, I was such a gentle child, you know, they were sure. And there were literally like ministers and public advocates at the time telling you, if you let your kids play with war toys, they're going to, you know, become warriors. You know, that's how it works. That's what war toys are for. Yeah, there was also those same people ta- talking about the occult and how He-Man and Masters of the Universe was going to lead oh to God. Satanism. And there's a whole video yes. online I watched about that. And um, I've seen that on YouTube. I sort yeah. of remember it from back then, like floating around. I mean, now it's just like, yeah, I just watch it because it's awesome seeing the figures. <laughs> just laughing at the. I know that's exactly like I watch it to see, oh, like, oh, he's got Snake Mountain. You know, yeah. Oh, he had the best stuff, and I, yeah, I remember him going like point by point through Yoda and being like, you know, comparing him to Satan and being like, notice the pointy ears, you know, notice the gnarled hands, you <laughs> know, know, like, and I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, oh. Yoda's a space goblin. We all know he's a space <laughs> goblin. It's fine. Um, that, and I remember there was a big pushback then um, for like false advertising to children because you know, like they had they took big issue to. You know, like in the in the commercial, you know, the kid would be like in some rock quarry where like you could fly Serpentor's air chariot like past, you know, what looked like mountains. And you had all these like snow cats or something, you know, like on stone peaks. And, you know, of course, most kids didn't live next to a stone quarry and couldn't have those environments. And I remember a big push. Uh, HBO even had a show on called Buy Me That. Uh, where they would like show you like I remember an episode a friend of mine had taped that I saw years later, but like the pogo ball. You remember the pogo ball? It was like a a ball with a plastic board in the middle, and you could squeeze your feet together oh, and bounce. Oh yeah, on. I could. Yeah, and, every kid and, in my neighborhood had that except for me because I could never bounce once without falling off it. Yeah. Well, and even like the idea, like you had to practice for a few hours or whatever. But I remember like this show showed that specifically that toy and was like, oh, don't buy this. It's false advertising because you have to learn how to use it. You can't just start using it out of the box. You have yeah. to learn how. And they were making it like the fact that you had to learn how they were making like was this great betrayal. When in my head, I'm like, well, it's good to, you know what I mean? You have to learn how to play right. football. You have to learn how to play hockey. You have to learn how to tie your shoes. Like what's wrong with yeah, skateboarding? You know, what's wrong with trying to learn but it was I, uh I, in 88 i, I guess that. this came out i hate all that oh I, I to this day i'm still mad they got to gi joe and their problem with gi joe was not only they would be like you know the host would be like well you know here's a cool gi joe commercial and it was for the uh the uh rolling thunder you know god mm-hmm. i love that rolling thunder that useless piece of equipment oh it's amazing um where would you drive it but it's amazing um and they show the commercial for it you know driving through and the guy and the host is like well you don't you know kids they're showing trees it's driving through and rocks that doesn't come in the box you don't get all that oh you know you don't get God. those things yeah. and then they would come interview on. a kid and they would be like let's talk to a real little kid and the little kid would be like obviously coached and lying little kid would be like my friend's brother got the rolling thunder <laughs> and he thought there would be trees and rocks in the box and there weren't and he was oh sad and then the host would come back and be like oh my god and then he'd be like, well, you know, and look at this, like in the fine print, which it said on the box, some assembly required. I thought of this because you'd like to put the stickers on, too, and stuff. Yeah. But he said, it says some assembly required. There's a lot of assembly required. Oh, you don't get a giant God. tank in this box. You have to put it together. And then literally they cut to a kid. It's always his brother's friend had it because the kids mm-hmm. are lying. Yeah. And then the different kid going, my brother's friend <laughs> got it. And he and his dad had to spend three hours putting it together. And it was hard, and they didn't like it. And then the host is like, can you imagine? And in my head, I'm like, 
a father and son spend three hours on a weekend afternoon putting a toy together. It's perfect. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, and they're trying to push it like this, like Hasbro agenda to destroy America's youth. These are the same kind of people that love Funko Pops. That's all I'm <laughs> say. Yes. Because they want no engagement in the thing. Right. Uh, I just, to this day, I'm still, I'm, I'm uh, the quote most says like choking on my own rage here. Trying to discuss, <laughs> buy me that. Oh but man, yeah, end, like uh, there wasn't a single moment in my childhood that I thought anything in the commercial except for the vehicle came in the box. And there wasn't a single moment where I wasn't excited to open the box and put it together myself, you know? I uh, know! And like, I would think of like, I would take my Serpentor Air Chariot to cool places to fly it. You know what I mean? Like, that's half the fun. Is, oh, oh, here's, this looks like a forest. Oh, this looks like the desert. Here's something completely crazy for children. Them just in their bedroom, imagining things around the you air chariot. Imagine, I know it's way, yeah, it's way out of line to ask kids to use their imagination. Uh, but, uh, it wow. breaks my heart to this day. Exactly. Like, uh, God bless. Like Kenner was very good at showing like the toys in bedrooms, mm-hmm. you know, like they would show you like, you know, some like, like the star Wars and stuff, not so much, but I remember like sky commanders, which was that it was like, uh, you know, like two inch figures, yeah, and they, they would, had the uh, ropes. Had the, vehicles like, that would run on ropes and, yeah. and ribbons. And uh, the boxes all showed, like, the Sky Commanders, like, clipped to bedposts yeah, and doorknobs and table edges. And I'm like, God bless you, Kenner. You know, you're not playing some weird game. You are just, like, in our face. Uh, you're an Ohio guy. You must love him. Like, you no, know, well, were, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, from Buffalo originally, so, but I'm in Columbus now. Oh, that's right. You're, I guess I knew that. I guess upstate yeah. New York, but but it just that that um, I, I even as a kid I appreciated like it's on a doorknob. Thank you, because that's obviously where I'm going to they, hang it. They still they still suffered from the the Kenner uh, lack of articulation. I remember getting those, and I was always so disappointed uh, okay. in Star Wars mask and Sky Commanders or whatever. I mean, their legs moved at the hips and their arms moved at the shoulders, and that was it. And their heads turned. At least, at least, Mask had knees, which was, I guess, oh, that right. probably was backlash from Star Wars. Mash was, or uh, Mask, Mash, Mask was a little better. Actually, the Mash line had knees too, uh, but Mask had uh, knees, which was, uh, which was a nice addition considering they were so small. I think the Dino Riders had knees too. Like, if you were that scale of figure with movable knees, like you get a pass from me. Like that's a, that's okay. Yeah, I think on those the knees bent so they could sit in the yes. vehicles properly. And they didn't paint the faces on some of those lines and unpainted faces. Like they paint mustaches or glasses. Yeah. But like otherwise, like they have the scariest ghost faces. Like toy <laughs> photography is the only time you ever notice. But yeah. I've done mask photography and I love mask. It's cool. And uh, but once you get up in there, like if they don't have their mask on, it's a horror show. Because you're yeah. like, get in there with stole your face. Macro photography, it gets a little scary. Those, <laughs> it's like those that. It's like that GI Joe where they have the, uh, the the throne that steals models' faces and puts it on other people. Oh, like it's yeah. it's it, it, uh, it's like they're dead ghost eyes. So <laughs> out of all the, of all the toy lines that you've collected from childhood to now, which is your favorite? Uh, oh, GI Joe. Yeah, GI Joe is where the heart lives. Um, it's um, I still like I don't know my my bonds go so far back with GI Joe. Um, as a little kid, uh, Cobra Commander was my favorite uh, figure and character. But pretty quickly, I think as of like 87 or 88, I somehow glommed on to the Televipers, uh, which was no no accident. So why, you think? Is it now I know you're you're involved in, um, you know, you're in Hollywood. So is it? 
Oh yeah, and and I and I do and I work in TV like I'm a camera guy uh, and okay. stuff now. Uh, but that actually um, came later. I, I I molded my life to do the job of a televiper. I think actually, <laughs> I, like inadvertently, like, like subconsciously, it. because I started um, yeah in '87 or '88. I don't know in that era like action movies and stuff. I was into bad guys, which I think a lot of kids you know you're either into the heroes or into the villains. And I like the villains because of the cool costumes. Um, you know, like in my room right now, like I'm looking at Tex Hex, the Brave Star villain, you know, who literally drives a two legged, you know, thing with a cow skull on it. Just yeah. great stuff. You know, he's, a, he's an evil space cowboy. I always love villains. villains oh, and the his best. voice on the cartoon was awesome. Oh, the good, good voice, man. Those filmation cartoons, uh, the scripts, the scripts are rough. The animation is rough, but the voice acting, there's some wonderful moments. Alan Oppenheimer doing that Skeletor. Um, Gee, I, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Sunbow win. Sunbow I, um, is is still, I don't know, I, I still like laugh out loud once in a while with the show on Sunbow. Like, I enjoy those a lot. Uh, but I'm a sucker for good voiceover, I have to admit. But I always liked villains, but I didn't like, like, I knew already as, like, an empathic kid. Like, I didn't really like hurting people or, you know, like, I didn't really want to kidnap people and, like, hold them for <laughs> ransom. You know, like, that was detestable to me. <laughs> But I still like the cool uniform. So I think I started to glom on to like evil lieutenant type characters, like okay. supporting villains who maybe weren't as maximum villain. Maybe there's something in their backstory that led them wrong. Um, I remember watching Die Hard and loving Die Hard so much when it came out, you know, revolutionized the idea of the action film. But in Die Hard with Bruce Willis, you know, like you have uh, uh, what's it, Hans Gruber is this great main villain and a supporting villain. And then there's like a nerdy computer tech guy who like is just upstairs trying to like break into the vault through the whole movie. And like at the end, he just, gets, <laughs> he's just trying to get a paycheck. Yeah. And he just, at the end, he like gets cutely punched out by like the yeah. chauffeur who yeah. we met earlier in the film. And, right. And like, I always liked that sort of, I was like, Oh, he's bad, but he's not, he gets to hang out and go to the cool parties, yeah, but he's not yeah, like, just, just like a poor nerd trying desperately to make some friends, you know, who are the, yeah, like he's probably like, maybe his mom's sick. I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> But I, and and from the cartoon and everything, like I think there was a moment with the televipers. You know, they would do the thing on the cartoon where the the, the scroll would go across their visor backwards. Yeah. You know, like if they were like alert, alert. And at some point, it hit me that the reason it was backwards was because they were reading it. Right. It wasn't for our benefit, the audience, and that blew my mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, so it's silent communication. These are the coolest troopers of all. Why doesn't anyone know? And, you know, and and uh, and plus they fulfill that sort of villain. You know, they're always standing to the left of Cobra Commander, ready to, like, go get coffee or, like, send, you know, send a video out. <laughs> or get or, punished. Or, you know, like, <clears throat> yeah, or just or there's a great scene in the comic from, like, 89 where Cobra Commander, like, grabs the microphone that's attached to the Televiper and screams in it. So, like, you know, the whole <laughs> yeah. Televiper has to come along. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, great. Always standing to the left. And, um so that's that's some of the attachment I think. I always fancied myself sort of a nerd. Uh you know, just and not you know, to be outdone. He's the original Viper, too, on top of He it. is the very first which which I always noted the significance of that right. he existed before the eighty six Viper. And that um some people would call the Viper pilot the glider pilot the first Viper, but of course the pilot wasn't the Viper. No. The glider was. It so wasn't he is his not, in fact, the Viper. That's not technically his code name. That was just his function, really. That was still that's the right, era Viper where pilot. They, yeah, they're just like he he's just a Cobra trooper that pilots the glider. Like he's not even important enough to give a name to, you know? Because what uh, they do, they use the trooper mold, but they use the silver logo. Like right, that was right. that was that was that was how they worked all that out for us. It's amazing the his driver had a unique mold with how they were rolling back then. But uh, yeah. anyway, so he um 
and 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 through life, then the comic book really picked up on Televipers. I guess probably the Python Patrol came out, so you know Larry Hama got the note, you know, start using the old troopers more. Right. And um, so through that wonderful era of like '89 through like '91 of the comic, which I was getting out of the toys. But the comic was awesome. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? The, the, invasion, the comic was kicking butt then. The invasion of Cobra Island and yep, yep. I mean, just into mm-hmm. a, uh, special missions were going. Oh, my God. When M.D. Bright was uh, illustrating around issue 100. Um, yeah. And that was – I was going – I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade, and I was into the comic more than ever at that point even though the toys were rampant down for me. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how that took over, and I collected the comic much longer than the toys myself. And But in that, like, that was the invasion of Millville, I believe, when yes. they were, like, brainwashing the citizens. Yep. Like, the Televipers were, like, a big part of that operation. Like, yep. they were ripping out phone lines, hooking up brain scanners. And I remember even thinking then, well, there's Technovipers that should be doing this, but I guess Televipers are just too important. And somehow, in my head, <laughs> I got to the point, and I, I missed them. I didn't like them as much in 85. Like back then I was a Cobra commander man. So I didn't get one when it was out, which, you know, vexed me from like 86 was like a hard year because I already liked the character, but I didn't have one. Um, just broke my heart. And also I was into the surveillance port, the Cobra surveillance port. Oh yeah. Um, which is one um, of the best little play sets. That's my first photo on Instagram under Plastic Battles. If you go all the way to the beginning, I sort of, I think, I think I remember that. I think I remember that because I didn't know it's a surveillance port with a televiper by himself. I probably commented. Oh, you know what? Someone else commented. Um, I remember exactly. It was I think Robotics Club or someone was like uh, another day on the job, Jamie the televiper, and they tagged yes, me. Yes, and yes. And I yes. and I wrote back something like, uh, "Yeah, hard at work or hardly working, huh?" <laughs> you know, <'cause> that's <laughs> Because on Instagram, I project the idea that uh, I guess it's part of that well-meaning evil lieutenant. But the, the televipers, like typically in my experience, like they mean well and they try their best. But as a technician now, I know, you know, sometimes the machinery fails. And so, right. they're, so I don't know. They're a they're a dis, you know, disaffected, goofy lot. I think they're afraid of girls in my head. You know, I have a yeah, whole yeah. projection on them. The one comic panel you posted a while back where it was like um, the Baroness is that. At the transatlantic line to Switzerland, you know what I mean? Like, please stand by. Oh my like, God! It's on hold. And then that the voice on the you just see the like the yelling coming through the the earpiece of no, not the easy listening tape, no. Yeah, because he's like, please enjoy the Cobra Command chorus, you know, in their rendition of Bob, <laughs> John Bender's greatest greatest hit. I mean, God bless Larry Hanna. You know, just picturing this like you know this sort of uh, a guy that's a terrorist, like he hates America. He's a terrorist, you know, televiper just sitting in a room somewhere just being an operator getting screamed at by people like Zorana and the Baroness just like yep. you idiot and you're like oh enjoy this click and um, <laughs> it's like that sort of passive aggressive like okay lady let me just work on that for you oh, it's amazing um, and, and, and then when um, I started so I always had finally I traded I traded like I don't know good figures probably my dial tone you know with all his gear for a televiper from a neighbor kid in like 70 and uh, 87. I also traded him for uh, a new Zorana because um, I had the Zorana with the big head and the earrings. Um, yes, and right. I liked her. I liked that look more than I liked the later face, like the sort of pinched angry face. I Agreed. liked the bigger head with the, she's a little cuter, I think. And um, so I remember I traded him for a Zorana too, but I just took the body because my body was of my Zorana was like all worn out, like all loose. And uh, just threw out the new head and kept my old head, which is one of the ones I still have, mm, okay. uh, is my Zorana with the transplanted head. Um, 
I digress. So I finally got a Televiper. I loved him. Um, I, you know, he went on every battle. I think even though I traded, uh, eventually I ended up with another uh, mainframe computer that he carried. Mm-hmm. And I remember I issued that to the Televiper for all time. You know, so for years he carried that computer with him because I didn't have his backpack. And um, when I got into the modern era, like in college and stuff, I remember uh, when I went to college, I took my Cobra Commander figure, my Generation 2 Starscream, and my Televiper, just to kind of sit on the shelf, you know, in my dorm. And um, he's sort of been with me ever since. When I when I chose an email, uh, my Hotmail was Jamie the Televiper in the 90s. Oh, man. And, um, Back with Hotmail, That's when I came huh? up with it. Yeah, that's when I came up with it. Uh, that account is still active, if anybody wants to send me a hello. Um, <laughs> I do check it twice a year. Uh, but that's where the term Jamie the Televiper came from, because I was thinking, well, if a Cobra guy had an email address, he would be a Televiper. You know, he would be running it. And uh, what if I was one? I would be Jamie the Televiper. And there it was. And then that was also my that's my eBay handle um, and pretty much became my online handle for anything where the name fits. Although on Twitter and other such monstrous things that have limited characters in your name, it's Televiper Jamie, which I hate. But that's, you know, it gets the point across. But your digital self, Jamie, your digital self is a Televiper. You've pretty much taken your real self in an injected it into the uh like if this was an old x-files episode from the late 90s you'd somehow yeah like get sucked yeah, into the computer zone. and become a televiper in that digital scape yeah because i never did any of this like i was a, a theater actor and then i went into like backstage theater like i ran a box office for years and then that day i got laid off of that during the recession and a friend of mine had an opportunity kind of in a, a tv control room setting um in which I would use more of my verbal skills. Like you also have to, you, you know, you'd have to, you know, talk to talent, deal with talent stuff, you know, like people come in and put mics on them and put earpieces on them. And, right. um, and he, I was hired for that cause I was good with people, you know what I mean? Had nothing to do with the technical end. But then while I was there, I picked up all the tricks of the trade since I've gone full time at that job. Like it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, I love it. Uh, but yeah, one day it occurred to me like you idiot, you've accidentally <laughs> become a televiper. Like you go to work and you send signals and you take signals in people like yell at you on the phone and you put them on hold and make them listen to music. Like you are a televiper. So you, so you only wear uh, blue and purple to work, right? I would love it. Oh my God. I think you would advise me once, like I should get a uniform and uh, that is floated in the back of my head that uh, I would probably wear it every Halloween for the rest of my life. That would be amazing. There is a, there there is a part of me that while I'm not too into the whole cosplay scene, although I respect it, I think it's awesome. It's just not where I live. You know what I mean? Yeah. right, Right. Um, I would probably wear, if I had one, my Televiper outfit like four times a year. <laughs> like I think, I think it would be that often because it's comfortable. I'm a big one for comfortable Halloween costumes, except for the helmet. It's like short sleeves. I dig that. It's a nice vest if you're chilly. Nice baggy pants. You know, I'm not, right. a, I'm not a slim man, so I like the a little room in there. Little room, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, just get a, a pair of aviator glasses, some silver ones. They can pass. You don't need the helmet. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And now I did discover there's LED technology is so cool. I did see there are screens now that can project images, but you can see through them. Oh, nice. So, like, we're not – I could probably build myself a pair of goggles that actually do the reverse lettering thing. Oh, that would be um, amazing. Which, if I ever build the goggles, I might build the rest of the costume around that. But this is Hollywood. I would, of course, pay a professional to do it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get my sewing machine out. Uh, I know. You know, I got theater contacts. I got people that could make one, hand them the figure, be like, "I want one of them." Now you know do what? it in Python. 
just art direct them a little bit so they know what they're doing because I've seen what Hollywood types do to the GI Joe live action movies as far as the costumes go. So just give them oh a little God, give them a little guidance. Uh, it's funny when Hollywood takes over, and I'm not. I don't want to spit venom or anything uh, because I don't want to be one of those haters online. But I did right. catch a look at like. Teela's battle suit for the projected new He-Man movie. Yeah. Where she's got this like giant like mech suit or something. And yeah. I'm like, boy, they already put in my head. I'm like, they already blew it. Like they showed one image and the whole thing's terrible. They like, already, but they I'm already... trying not, I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to no, be a hater. I, I know. I don't want to be a hater either, but when they're so far off the mark, it's hard not to criticize. Like they already messed up with He-Man once in 87 with the suits yeah and that's like everyone tears that apart for oh, many different reasons but one of them is the costumes so why on the new one would you go right back to the same stuff that everyone doesn't like about the first one i don't yeah, know are they, gonna, like, like, are they gonna place it in the real world again too like i don't know i don't i just, just to, to save money on set yeah like expensive scenes at a chicken worked, restaurant yeah that worked great like, for yeah. uh that worked great for the mario brothers movie in new york city Real, real oh, I, oh man, that He-Man movie. I mean, I used to every year on uh, Masters of the Universe Day, which I think is in May. But, you know, like uh, when the movie came out, the mayor of Los Angeles declared the day the movie came out to be Masters of the Universe Day. Just that day, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't supposed to be an annual thing. But then online found it, social media found it. So now there is, in fact, like a recognized Masters of the Universe Day. Uh, I used to watch the movie every Masters of the Universe Day, I think for three years straight before I came to my frickin' senses. It was like, you don't have to watch it anymore. <laughs> but if anybody, if you ever get a chance to get the DVD, uh, which is what I own, I got it at Walmart 15 years ago for $5, there's director commentary on there. Um, the director thinks it's a good film. Yeah, Like, well, he thinks you know. that, like, the, the critic, it's worth listening to just because, like, hearing him defend it, um, is sort of like transcendently fun to be like, that people really criticize that I did this in this scene. And then he goes on to justify it. And you're like, you just don't get it, friend. I, you just don't get it. I enjoy it from a strictly nostalgic uh, standpoint, but by by yes. no way, shape, or form is that a great movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, it, it really is nearly unwatchable. And, uh, you know, how hard is it to just make Beastman red? You know, Freaking oh, idiot. Freaking idiot. Right, or just or like... Let's let's have them stay in Eternia for a little while and uh, battle it out there. I don't know. Just for a minute, like when you uh, they, they missed the whole fantasy aspect. Yeah. I did get um, there's a uh, the, the actress that plays uh, the sorceress Christina Pickles um, was uh, I think she was on Saint Elsewhere or something. It's like her big gig. But uh, one of the highlights of my theater life was uh, we did on Golden Pond with Hal Linden, who's uh, uh, Barney Miller at the theater where I work. And oh, wow. uh, she played the, the she played the Catherine Hepburn part, the female lead on Golden Pond. So uh, I got to hang out with the sorceress from Master of the Universe movie like a lot for a short period of my life. That's and amazing. I never I I, the, I guess the coolest thing about living in L.A. as a toy collector, like I worked at that theater for years and um, it was a professional theater and everything. So you would get all kinds of different actors in. But I've met so many of the old school voice actors, um, like got to hang out with them, like got to talk to them at length. Michael Bell, who did Duke yes. and, you know, Major Blood. And uh, he his daughter was in two of our shows, like, back to back. So he basically hung out at our theater for, like, six months. And just, it got to, like, I just got to, you know, pick his brain. He'd tell me anecdotes about, like, you know, stories of being in the sound booth with Frank Welker. And, you know, oh, like, all man. this crazy. Just crazy. You know, he was Smurfs. He was Zan of Zan and Jaina on the Super Friends. Like, this guy Ugh. basically, like, imprinted my childhood. 
and I don't care about celebrities at all in working with them. You know what I mean? Like there's no one that could walk into where I work now, for instance, you know, I wouldn't blink twice. We're professionals. You know what I mean? You're like, welcome. Thank you. I'm there to perform a function. So are they, you just go through it. You know what I mean? You don't worry about, you know, you're not looking for pictures or anything. You're at work. Um, but, uh, I like, I remember meeting him was like, I was shaking. (laughs) It's freaking Duke. It's Duke, man. It's the man himself. And uh, so, and then he, and then all the other voiceover guys, like they hang out, you know, they're like, in a, they, they, you know, they still hang out in those folks. So they all came to see the daughter because they all knew the daughter because, you know, they all grew up with her and, or she grew up, you know, with these folks all around. So he would just like every intermission when he was there, which is about half the time, he would come over and be like, oh, hey, Jamie, this is, uh, you know, this is Alan Oppenheimer. You know, you've probably heard of him. And I'm like, you know, Skeletor and Merman nice. and. Oh my God. Uh, you know, and he's like, oh, and this is, uh, you know, this is so. It's, and so I just got to meet all of these voices. That did I'm they, like, do, and, did and, they and, ever and do any voices for you? Just to, like real quick? He, he would do, uh, Michael Bell would do a little of it. Like he could still, um, like he liked to do, uh, like he was grouchy Smurf. Like he, I believe it was grouchy or uh, maybe hefty. He would bust it. He would bust him out once in a while. Like, <laughs> or like his superhero voice. Oh, get him. You know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. Not, uh, and I remember once I was like, uh, he was Tollbooth uh, very famously. And he remembered yes. being Tollbooth, which I thought was awesome because Tollbooth was in like two episodes or three. Right. And it was three lines like, total. Look at, look at the size of this crevasse. What are we going to do? Hey, <laughs> oh, hey, Tollbooth. Thank God you're here. And then they would go over. Uh, but I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, you remember Tollbooth? And then I'd go home and like stare at my Tollbooth figure and be like, <laughs> wow. Because when it's I met fantastic. him, I didn't make it. I didn't make a lot of money at the theater. So like I've, I'm like you. I'm very good at deals. You know what I mean? I'll haunt eBay, like looking mm-hmm. for a certain item. And you know when it comes up for buy it now for half price because someone didn't know any better. You know I'll be there to yeah. swoop in. Or when they spell like transformer wrong, like transformer, yes. and and no one looks like I'll be the one to buy that Ultra Magnus. Like I'll, I'm that guy. Um, so I didn't have a Duke then, which used to break my heart. But I remember I had a Major Blood and a um, a Toll Booth. And I never had the nerve to, like, ask him to take a picture with them, although I wanted to desperately. But I, I came to see uh, he did like a voiceover seminar at the Groundlings Theater here in L.A. And a buddy of mine was uh, the technical director there and got me in to see it. And I was talking to him after and it was very nice. But then I had the Duke and he posed with it and I posted it on Instagram. Oh, and did you? That was uh, that was like a happy, oh, I missed happy thing in my life. I forget. It was a few years ago. Um and it was a little sad because he was standing in front of a light. So he was a little backlit, which was sad, you know, like uh, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't want to be like, no, over, you know, I didn't want to mess with him too much. He'd already talked to me for a long time and been super cool. And he remembered me, which I, you know, I hadn't seen him in a few years, which just made my heart warm. And right. um, so it's not the best picture I ever took, but it is literally Michael Bell with Duke. Like you can tell, you know what I mean? It's not uh, not that bad. That's awesome. Yeah. So- Hollywood's cool. <laughs> Man, I uh, yeah, I did. I think you mentioned that to me before, but I uh, I had totally forgotten that you had met Michael Bell until you mentioned it. So that's that's. Fantastic. Oh, I'll, I'll throw that factor out. I will drop that name. I'm not much of a name dropper, but boy, I'll drop that name. So with the slightest uh, hint of a whiff, I will drop that name. <laughs> All right. So I want to before we wrap up, I want to get back on the photography for a bit. I was wondering, you know, looking through your feed, your newer photos. Um, the production value is much better mm-hmm. than your older photos, which is to be expected. Uh, as you do this longer, you get better at it. But I was curious if your equipment has changed at all. Are you still shooting with a point and shoot or a phone, or have you upgraded to a better camera at some point? 
Uh, I went through an evolution. When I started on Instagram, I started uh, with, a, I didn't have a smartphone because I was into flip phones for a long time. So I had a iPod touch, an iPod touch that I would uh, like access Instagram on with Wi-Fi. Right. And um, that's when I used the point and click camera because that camera was terrible. Although what started me with toy photography was when I got that iPod touch and I realized like you could drop it into G.I. Joe headquarters and take pictures as if oh, yeah. you were a right. Joe. Like mm-hmm. that, that opened up the whole world to me. So even though they were grainy, like I did a lot of that. Uh, so I thank that iPod touch. Then I got an <laughs> iPad. I still didn't want the phone. And I realized, and, and that like the point and click, the three-year-old point and click and the brand new iPad almost had comparable um, cameras at that point. So I kind of switched back and forth. Gotcha. But at some point I, I did get an iPhone 6 and that's when I converted over um, to the iPhone 6 almost exclusively uh, embracing its limitations. You noticed I went through a phase when really I did mostly selfies. Yeah, I did. You know, like I sort mm-hmm. of went through a long, which it was part of work was busy. Uh, I know we can all appreciate that. You know, you have different levels of free time in your life oh, and sure. work was yeah. busy. I also, I was getting healthier. Like I used to be real heavy and like, I've lost a bunch of weight. So like I was walking every day. So walking a couple hours at night, like I didn't really have time to do the photo. Like it was almost the one or the other. And, um, you know, for health reasons and everything, like it was better that I walk at that point and then just take the photos on the weekend when I had more time, which is, you know, toy selfie Sunday built into beautifully. Um, but I became an expert at taking photos with the iPhone, which is the best thing to do is if you're doing small items is have them all on the same plane, you know, like you need your faces all relatively equal distance. Like that golden girls one is a good example, Mm -hmm. uh, with the four golden girls are all in the same plane. And then the, and the televipers almost cramming his head up in there. Right. So they all get nice and they all get nice and crisp. And, um, so I, that that's and, and you don't get the depth on that single lens phone. Uh, so I sort of gave up on attempting. You know what I mean? It was right. just uh, like I I settled to the limitations of my device because um, I didn't. You know, I wanted more toys. I didn't want a camera really. Really. Uh, I now I just. Oh, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, and then I also uh, with my lighting skill, um, I, I because I as I said, I'm really a lazy man uh, when it all comes down to it. I built myself like a semi-permanent lighting rig. So at first it was just like a halogen lamp, like a five foot halogen lamp. Okay. And I bought, um, led desk lights, like clip lights, four of them nice. that I clipped on, you know, so I have basically an upper tier of lights and a lower tier of lights. Um, and they're small enough that I can cut gels, you know, like colored gels to adjust lighting. Right. Yeah. Um, you you get uh, when you go to tech conventions, you get books of those like sample books of oh, gel okay. colors that like the gel manufacturers give out. And there's like 300 in this tiny rectangular book and you kind of flip it around and in it is an actual small piece of gel. So you can hold it up to the light and a lighting designer can evaluate or whatever. But what I realized with my small lamps is each one of those samples is enough gel to cover my four tower lamps. So, like, so I for people that don't know, like a gel is just kind of like a, a thin piece of um, like translucent uh, plastic material, right? And they're different colors and you can just basically fit them over the top of a, a lighting source to change the color of your uh, your light, right? That's exactly that's exactly right. And each of these books has like 250 different shades of color. Mm. Uh, so it's, you know, a lot of a lot of control of your environment in there. And, and then I added um, four LED base lamps like that don't clip, but just set up. So I have an eight that all come out real easy and can all get the gels like to light backgrounds, you know, to right, light my right. back walls. The, 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 the walls in my room are off white, which is often if I'm just doing a splash of color, 
just last night I posted, uh, speaking of Tex Hex, Tex Hex, the Brave Star villain, like with a nice sort of pinkish sky matching the cartoon yes. color. Um, and that is, uh, that's a perfect example of like, I didn't spend a ton of time on that. I sort of got the idea in my head. He looks good handing something down from his weird mount. Uh, and you know, they have that, they have that mythical gem called carrium that they're all looking after. And so I just, you know, I like the, I like the thought of it, but by pulling that lighting tower out, all I have to do is attach the two pink gels and like set it up, not put gels on the lower ones. And like, I can set up a professional lighting setup in like, you know, five or 10 minutes instead of having to pull all the lights out every time. I just have this permanently mounted lighting tower. Now it's actually a lighting stand uh, that I bought on Amazon for like $12. But basically it's a tripod with a long metal rod in it. And on the rod, I attach my lights. I put a surge protector on there so I can plug the lights into that and then take a, um, an extension cord from the surge protector and plug that in, you know, to keep it all from like first in the uh, um, circuits in my, in my old house, in my old apartment. Right, um, right. Okay. I got gotcha. you. So how many lights uh, do you typically use like on a shot? Is it uh, just a couple or do you have like three or four or five going? It would be the tower comes out a lot. So the tower has four on it and I'll usually use three or four of those lights. Like if I'm doing a background, two of them will typically be devoted to that. Mm. I do a lot of work because I have that beautiful table, but sometimes there's like toys on it or Legos. So I do a lot of work. Last night's picture was, for instance, on my nightstand, which is a classic spot for like me to do portrait type you know, just like character things. Um, and, uh, you know, so again, it took about 15 minutes. I just got an iPhone 10 though, which has a dual lens. Oh, cool. All right. So now I'm experimenting a little bit with, um, I, you know, with, uh, a little more depth, which is like something I haven't been working with in years, which I'm super excited for. Plus I mean, that's the iPhone what, 10, you can, um, kind of play with that depth of field, in the camera roll, right? It has a much, much more interesting stuff. Yeah, in the editing and even in the execution. Like, it's mm -hmm. just doing a lot more uh, cool stuff that way. Cool. That's awesome. I look forward to seeing what you can do with that. Because right now, I, I dig your photos the way they are. And, and I think a lot of times it's more about the subject matter and the storytelling and the composition, you know. Uh, and the lighting, though. You do, I can tell your indoor shots are, like, very well lit. So you obviously know what you're doing there. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm a big fan of going outside when I can. I'm a little scared of it because I don't have a backyard of my own. So, uh, mm. sorry, hold on one second. I'm going to switch headphones. I think my battery's going down oh, here. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I'll be back in one sec. Uh, sorry, new uh, new equipment here. I think my battery died in one of the headphones, so I'll just switch to these. Uh, if there's but, one thing a televiper knows, it's when to change the headset due to technical difficulties. <laughs> that is a perfect, I could feel, uh, I could hear the little bleeps in my ear, not unlike the visual read that I would picture in my goggles. <laughs> and yeah, I said, the readout just said low battery. <laughs> alert, 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 and then you get punched by Sergeant Slaughter. That's how my life goes. <laughs> the common televiper day. Next thing you know, you're getting punched by, it's, and you, you know, know so hard that the glass in your lenses break because it's yeah. so hard. It's not. A, it's not a good day unless you take a punch from Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, I would be honored. Even the real Sergeant Slaughter would hurt so bad, but I would love for that man to hit me. <laughs> but I would wear it like like I'd post that bruise on Instagram. That would be great. Um, 
Oh, going outside. Yes, uh, going part outside. of my laziness is, um, you know, I think you had mentioned in the last podcast, golden time, you know, like an hour before dusk right. or dawn, you know, like that time when you just get that perfect, almost horizontal light line to your subject. And uh, here in California, as we alluded earlier, 300 days of the year is a perfect, pristine blue sky. And uh, you just get these amazing shots of dino riders and flying Joe vehicles and transformers, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite techniques is uh, the, you know, hold the tippy, the corner of the wing and then take the picture oh, <laughs> so right. and you can crop your hand out of it. It's yep. a dangerous game. You know, you can drop valuable toys this way, but when it comes out right, like I took one of the, uh, the Sky Patrol Firebat uh, from that convention a couple years ago. Um, right, you know, with, with uh, like, Free uh, Fall in it, right? Yeah, Free Fall in it, and I used a little cotton, you know, to make like the jet stream out of yeah. the engine. Yeah, and, one of my favorite uh, that things one. to do is to use a little cotton uh, as an exhaust. I love that. Oh, it's brilliant. I bought that cotton to make snow, and the snow, it looks terrible, but as exhaust, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, so I remember that, but that was probably a two-minute shot, and I love it. It's one of my favorites. Like, it just got so clean. The vehicle looks cool. It was like a Joe Convention um, exclusive tribute, you know what I mean? I think those are the only things I opened. Like, everything else I still kind of kept in the box, you know. Mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'm weird with the modern toys. We'll see. We'll see if I play with them. Um, they're cool. Like nothing against, they do nice work. I like those exclusives a lot, but it's just, I got so much stuff. They, the, they look so nice in the box. Yeah, they look great, but, uh, it's just not the same. You know, they, they just, they're great and they're great figures, but the, uh, the vintage O-ring Joe's, for example, I mean, they just have more charm. There's just more to them. Maybe yeah. it's just the nostalgic lens that we're looking at this through, but. There's um, the nostalgia, the thing, but just the, the fact that they came out with what, like, you know, 25, 30 figures a year, each oh, with yeah. a full set of unique gear and then a full world. And they did it for over a decade and um, you can fix them, which yes. is, you know, as a vintage collector and a child, I was lucky. My first one was uh, Crimson Guard. And then very quickly, I got Spirit, who was my favorite Joe at the time. Uh, he came with an eagle and he talked cool. And so I was all about spirit and it was back in the, <laughs> both of those things are true. They are both true. And, uh, back then dad, uh, I didn't have a ton of money or whatever. So if I saved up three bucks, you know, like dad was nice enough that he would drive me to a store where he knew there were Joe's, you know, as a special trip on a weekend and, and look, like help me look for the specific one. Like nice. dad picked out spirit for me. He found snake eyes with the wolf for me. Dad was super cool. He bought me a new Chewbacca when I traded my Chewbacca to a kid and regretted it. That was a tough snake eyes to find in 85. He was. That was the first time I ever went to Toys R Us. Uh, we were on our way to vacation because there wasn't one near us. So we had to drive like an hour, but it was on the way. And uh, they surprised me with it. They knew we were going to pass it. And they, you know, they were like, do you have your money? Yeah, I have my money. I'm all set. And we walked in and that was the first time I ever saw. I had seen, you know, the the JCPenney toy displays, the Sears toy displays, the KB toy displays. The first time I ever saw Toys R Us which at the time was a whole aisle of Joe figures hanging, you know, in the vehicles down below um, yeah, and amazing. behind them Star Wars. And uh, and I remember dad searched for a good four or five minutes through the stacks before he found it and nice. uh, sort of handed it to me when I melted and was like, ah, it could take you, yeah, five, ten minutes to, to root through all of the Joes on all of the pegs that they had back oh, then. Oh, and you know and you know he got picked clean off it because every he came with an Uzi and a and a sword and a wolf. Yeah, the wolf. And, <laughs> oh, that wolf. I finally got one again. He took forever to find, but I weirdly found a snake eyes, an eighty five snake eyes on a cut card. 
Mm. Like somebody had cut the bubble out, but he was still sealed to it. Nice. Um, and it was, and he still had the file card. Like they only cut off for whatever reason, the top part, you know, one of those jobs looks like, you know, cut off probably in the early nineties. Right. Uh, but boy, that was a fun figure to get. Holy cow. Yeah. That's amazing. I just, I had almost written him off. Like I'll never get him. He's too much. And, uh, to this day, that was one of the few figures I didn't have as a kid. I, I never had, uh, that 85 snake eyes. And I remember this is, this is just not cool of me to do, but this kid down the street had him and he wanted a quick kick. And I made out a deal that I would trade a quick kick uh, for the snake eyes. And he said, yes. So I gave him the quick kick. Uh, the quick kick was my brother's quick kick. I didn't have quick kick. Whoa. So, wow. So I traded the quick kick for the snake eyes, except I never got the snake eyes because they moved. <gasps> so you gave up your brother's quick kick. And wow, so you like that was instant karma. Oh, you instantly were punished for your crime. Decades later, he would still bring it up. So, what I did a couple, <laughs> I think it was two or three Christmases ago, I picked up a mint, dead mint quick kick. Um, and that, and I gave it to my brother for Christmas to make amends. Oh, thank goodness. What uh, a nice turnaround. Man. That's like that's a, that's that's a good lesson. That could be at the end of a GI Joe episode. That could be the PSA. <laughs> and now I know. Hey, and now you know. Hey, when you trade your brother's toy thirty years later, buy it for him again. Why don't you? No one is half the battle. Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm Charbroil. Hey. Yeah, Charbroil. <laughs> By the way, I'm Charbroil. Yeah, how about just don't be a jerk? And now yeah, I know. Yeah. What should I do with this live electrical wire? Oh, you should touch it. No way. <laughs> oh, thank God, Roadblock. Thank God. Like they would that even was the first. <laughs> need to do that. Like don't don't give away your brother's toys. Like that that shouldn't even have to happen. You know. Oh, I think they had one like don't take meds you're not familiar with. Like we got into some <laughs> trouble in the eighties. Apparently, they were worried about us. They had to tell us everything. We were just gonna jump into every river in the rain and the lightning storm and take every pill we saw. You know, what would be the worst PSA for the kid to feel like, and and it would be the best is just have Snake Eyes do the PSA. So you do something stupid, and Snake Eyes just comes up and shakes his head in disgust and turns away and walks away, and that's it. Oh, that's brilliant! <laughs> Somebody should work that out now. I bet you could do it with existing footage. <laughs> I bet you could do that with existing footage. The disgust. <laughs> You've disgusted Snake Eyes, and now he's done with you. Oh man. Well, dude, uh, we've been rolling for almost two hours, man. Is it really? Oh my gosh! Well, this was this was a lot of fun, guys. It's fun to—I uh, mean, I, I was—I enjoyed so much listening to your last one. But it really is nice to just kind of unfold. And action figure photos made the point. But I don't know about you, but I don't talk about this much. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just something I do, and um, you know, it's cool. People know I do it. You can't really keep it a secret, and everybody like respects it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I never get the talk. You know, get into the deep nitty gritty of like who, why, where, and how. Like it's all sort of internal. So it's great to externalize it. Right. Yeah. I think it was one of my ideas uh, in doing this was when I was searching for anything kind of this nature. You know, um, toys, but toy photography or creative. That there just wasn't anything really out there. A lot of it was just talking about properties from a collection standpoint, but not so much as creating things with the collections so um, yes yes which is uh, you know it's 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 and it's worth uh, worth exploring it is worth exploring because it is true it's it's a uh, there is something i don't know like there's a learning curve to it i think for anyone that gets started with it and um not just replacing o-rings you know beyond that <laughs> beyond right, that right and uh, it's not just G.I. Joe, you know um you know any action figure photographer um out there even if they're shooting stuff that 
you know, Star Wars, Marvel, whatever. Oh, yeah. Some of this, I mean, the new stuff is gorgeous. Like, even those five-point articulation, you know, like the new Star Wars movie figures, like, a lot of them have nice paint jobs. Like, you can get some really good look. And there's a... um, Oh, there's a few interesting, like, like Skeleton Astronaut, you know, does great stuff oh, with modern yeah. Star Wars. You know, he builds like this, you know, basically sets out of, you know, like packing material and uh, gets some really neat looking stuff. You know, I love, you know, I uh, I collect vintage, but I love all toy photography, you know, whatever it is, new stuff, old stuff, mm-hmm. uh, model ships, you know what I mean? Model war machines. Like, it's all fascinating to me. Yeah, it, it, and it is like you've been doing this since 2013, you said, but like the last few years, it's really ramped up. So. Um, so what I'll have to do is uh, get you back on again sometime because we could go like I could go all day talking to you about this. Oh, well, you know, if it, if it works out, I'd love that. This was super blast. I'm, I'm really flattered that you uh, you asked me. I know um, I have an odd account. It's it's uh, I do love G.I. Joe, but I get all over the place with it. And uh, I don't know. It, it really it feels good. To, you know, it's it's it, I feel like my account, if, if somebody read like every comment in my account, like I feel like you could do a pretty good psychological profile on me. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's it's the most honest way I think I've ever expressed myself weirdly. Um, you know, after a life of, you know, sort of performing and writing jokes and, right, right. uh, Instagram is like, I don't know, is, is sort of the purest form of me, uh, as far as my actual personality, like sort of creeping through. And, and um, yours is like one of the most fun accounts, uh, if not probably the most fun account I follow. You were one wow, of the first shucks. people. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, yeah, I uh, thank you. That's nice to hear. Yeah, you were one of the first people I followed on Instagram back in the day when I started with the old account, and um, I was like, man, this guy is hilarious, and and it really. You really got me into the whole idea of uh, shooting my Joes again, where I had bounced around with the idea for a long time. Um, and then when I saw your photos, I was like, man, I should do this, man. I just got all these toys sitting yeah, around. Yeah, like, like, like you just do it. And, uh, and I mean, the innovations you have, I love the idea, you know, using, um, I'm a big fan of, you know, like, because I don't have any room either. So, like, the idea of, like, the pizza box diorama or not having, you know, a ton of stuff around or a huge backyard, you know, sort of making a, a a lot of getting a lot of use out of, for instance, my nightstand, you know, by moving the alarm clock and the lamp um, and just, yeah, getting it out there just to hell with it. I feel like, you know, I want people to think about GoBots today. So here are some GoBots right. and just eat it. Yeah. <laughs> just consume it. Just consume this GoBot today. So, and then you will have remembered them for another 10 years, I hope. <laughs> I so cool. Um, so I guess like I want to make sure that people know where to find you uh, on Instagram so they can see your photos too. So, oh, sure. It's uh, it's Jamie the Televiper, spelled like Jaime. So it's J-A-I-M-E-T-H-E-T-E-L-E-V-I-P-E-R. Um, I pronounce it Jamie, but it is spelled Jaime. I'm named after Jamie Brockett, who's an old folk singer. I don't know why his mom named him Jamie, spelled like Jaime. <laughs> but I answer to both. My uh, my iPhone 10 calls me Jaime the Televiper. Um, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer to whatever. Just don't call. I'll call. You know, just don't call me late for dinner. I'll, I'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is that this is the only place you post the photos, right? You don't you don't post. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but that's really like for family and friends. So I don't yeah. really do much on there. Yeah, that's it. I've sort of boiled it down to Instagram. I have a, a light Twitter presence, Televiper Jamie. Um, but I sort of I don't I don't really I like Twitter. I'm over Twitter. Like, I don't really enjoy it as much anymore. Twitter's a uh, um, uh, tire fire recently, so it's it's, uh, tough. Uh, it's yeah. I don't even know what's going on over there, and yeah, with <laughs> the bots and the things and whatever the kids have today. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just, so Instagram is, is the place to go, and and please, my uh, the highlight for me is like talking back and forth. As I said, I literally met my girlfriend on DM at Instagram, so um, you know, shoot me a line. I'd love to chat if anybody ever uh, has a question. I probably won't sell you anything, uh, <laughs> but I love to talk about everything else. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, great. Well, uh, 
I want to thank you for being on again, and um, I definitely want to get you on again in the future. So, um, oh well, I'm happy to do it, man. Congratulations on your success with this. I look forward to seeing uh, what you come up with next. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right, I'll yeah, uh, I'll keep an eye out. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right, have a great one, man. You too, bud. Well, that's it for episode two. Thanks again, Jamie, for joining me. Had a great time as usual. Look forward to seeing you at JoeCon. Everybody else, thanks so much for the support. I know it was a little wait for episode two, but I've got episode three and four recorded already, and I should be editing those soon. So until then, you can find me on the internet at Plastic Battles on Instagram and at PlasticBattles.net. See ya! You would see the biggest gift would be from me. 